Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Fans Talk Pro Wrestling Podcast. As always, I am your host with the Hall of French Toast, Freddie Carlson, and today we got a very special edition of the pod for you. Our good friends are here today. Angelo couldn't make it on due to a work commitment, but we say hello to Angelo, who will probably be listening in when he gets home and finds this episode up on Apple Music and Spotify, wherever you find your podcasts. Please go and like, share, and subscribe. That's our cheap plug for the episode. But today we're joined by some good friends who are going to discuss a very fun topic today, which I believe actually was Evan's idea. So I'll ask Evan to say hello first. Say hello, everybody, to, to everybody, Evan. Oh my god! Whoa, whoa, WrestleMania! Oh, did, did I spoil it? Sorry. Hey, <laughs> hey. <laughs> yes, that's a spoiler, not a prediction. Um, we also got Austin back with us again. Say hello, Austin. Out the curtain lights go up from home. Whoa. Tim would hate you right now. And of course, we got Adam here as well. Say hello, Adam. Hello. <laughs> Everyone else sings a song. Uh, man, that's funny. All right. So uh, in case you couldn't guess by um, Evan's little teaser there at the beginning, we have a very special topic today. Uh, we have all chosen a WrestleMania from back in the past, and we have decided to basically say, hey, that was either really good or really crap. But we could do it better. And so we have gone from start to finish and rebooked each of those individual WrestleManias. Uh, We will share which WrestleMania we chose, why we chose it, and then just kind of go through what we did and why we did it. And we're going to kind of run you through a WrestleMania that might take you back in time, might give you something exciting to think back about and cast your minds back to either when you watched it live or the first time you ever watched it. And if you haven't seen it, you can hear what we had to say about it and then go back and watch it and compare and see who did it better. So we're actually going to start with a good friend of ours, uh, Rafan. Rafan could not be on tonight, but he also provided us with a uh, po- with a WrestleMania rebook, and his actually was the farthest one back. He went back to 2002, WrestleMania X8, a.k.a. WrestleMania 18, and I'm going to quickly run through his WrestleMania rebook. Um, I don't know the full ins and outs of why he did what he did, but we want to share it with you guys because he took the time to rebook one. So rebooking it on the pre-show, he has Rikishi, Scotty Tuhati, and Albert taking on Test, Lance Storm, and William Regal. Um, really just a pre-show match to get these guys on there with Test's team taking the win. Also on the main card, a heel Kurt Angle taking on a face Mr. Perfect, who was actually in WWE at the time. Wow, forgot about that. Uh, Kurt Angle would pick up the W there. The European Championship, Edge versus Christian. He really wasn't sure who should win that one, but he wanted to get those two guys on the card. The Intercontinental title, same thing. He wasn't really sure who might take the W here, but Rob Van Dam would take on a heel Diamond Dallas Page, who was still employed by the company at the time. Uh, The hardcore title match was Maven, Goldust, and Spike Dudley. Uh, Dudley pinned Maven to win the title in real life. He's keeping that as it was. Uh, there was a number one contenders match, he said, for the uh, Universal, or Universal, the Undisputed title, Booker T versus Chris Jericho. Jericho working as the heel. I'm guessing that means that he was not the champion at the time, which would mean that he wins and gets a match going forward from WrestleMania. Uh, Kane and Big Show defeating, uh, facing Scott Hall and Kevin Nash with the Outsiders picking up the win. Uh, the women's title match stays as was. Jazz defeating uh, Trish and Lita in a triple threat for the women's title. Uh, Ric Flair versus Hollywood Hogan, a match that should have happened 10 years prior, happening in 2002 with Hogan picking up the W. 
Uh, four corners elimination match for the tag titles. Billy and Chuck defeating the APA, the Dudleys, and the Hardys. Uh, the Undertaker with his heel biker gimmick defeating The Rock. Uh, and then in the main event, an undisputed championship match with Stone Cold Steve Austin, who I'm guessing would be walking in as the champion, facing Triple H, the winner of the Royal Rumble. Uh, Austin would still be working heel, and uh, that would mean that Triple H is working as the face. Triple H, as he did in real life, would take home the W. Uh, coming out of that show, it would be Taker and Flair having a feud uh, that they would have had before WrestleMania in real life, taking on a backlash. Uh, the Rock and Stone Cold teaming up to take on the NWO at Backlash, and then Triple H and Chris Jericho would have their match at Backlash as well. So those were Rafan's rebooking of WrestleMania 18 from way back in 2002. Uh, so the rest of us are going to go through it in a little bit more detail because we're here to share it. Uh, so we're going to start with Evan, who went back to rebook WrestleMania 32 from 2016. So Evan, I turn it over to you. The worst WrestleMania of all time. Here we go. <laughs> That's, um, debat- That's debatable, but okay. Hey, yeah, okay. Bottom five. Bottom five. Start it off. I, I do want to know what your guys' thoughts are. Thirty-two. Just off the bat. The way it is. Um, the way it is. I think that it was a very serviceable WrestleMania. I thought there was definitely some um, unexpected highs, especially for me personally as a huge uh, Zack Ryder mark. Um, so that probably clouded my judgment at the time as to why I liked it. Uh, I think looking back for me personally, it's very middle of the road, kind of mid WrestleMania, but that's, again, that's just me. Yeah. For me, yeah, I'd concur with that. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, um, yeah. Um, I would concur, concur with that. However, I feel like that WrestleMania was plagued with a lot of injuries too. Like Seth Rollins being the most notable one, especially when, since he was coming off like that, you know, 2015, like, you know, he was the guy, especially with like, a lot of matches just didn't make sense. Like mm-hmm. Lesnar versus Ambrose, for instance, I feel like didn't really mesh well as one might expect. But like Austin said, it's serviceable and, you know, it's not bad, but I'm not going to go watch it again. You know, I'm, I get you. Okay. I'm actually, I'm actually in the probably the minority with this one. Then, um, well, actually, no, it seems like Evan's on board with me, but I don't think it was the worst. But I actually do think it was less than serviceable when you look back in in hindsight. Now, obviously, hindsight being twenty twenty, it's a lot easier to revisit a show and kind of create an opinion on it. But watching it live was a struggle for me. Um, I was not big into Roman Reigns at the time. I was among the many who were disgruntled at the fact that he just didn't really click for me as the top guy. And I was really not feeling it. And I do agree with what you said, Adam. A lot of things just didn't make sense. A lot of things didn't click. Yeah, the Zack Ryder moment was cool, but it really didn't make sense given the story of, well, there wasn't much story, but the Intercontinental title had a story and going in and it was Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. And I really don't didn't think anybody else in the match stood any chance. Um, except maybe Miz and, and Zack Ryder winning was a cool swerve, but it really just didn't make sense. And then they ruined it 24 hours later. So Again, hindsight being what it is, um, I actually, as you guys know, ranked all 39 WrestleManias from worst to best in my personal opinion very recently. WrestleMania 32 came in at 35th, the fifth worst in my opinion of all time. So that is why I chose. Uh, I dislike it, uh, but it is not the worst. I do think that's very more, generous. I do think four more are actually like really, really bad. <laughs> yeah, pretty generous of you to rank it that high. Um, <laughs> So, I the main thing I was considering is I can't put anybody on the card that's injured. 
So that does take out a lot of big names. Um, Seth Rollins being the biggest one. When I first started drafting this idea, Seth was the big one I wanted on there. But I think with making this rule, it almost made it a little more fun because I had a lot less to do. But at the same time, I could be a lot more freely creative with everything and not have to... Well, I wouldn't as do bad as badly as WrestleMania 32. That's that's a good part. So we're going to start off with the pre-show, which, lucky for you, Austin, your boy Zack Ryder has a great spot in our first match, the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. Um, <laughs> so, uh, it's all good. That's fucking wild, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so one of the big things I wanted to do with the Andre the Giant Royal this year, or that year specifically, is to showcase NXT, because that was pretty hot at that time you know it was like we had i think two or three takeovers at that point were not at full sale they were in london brooklyn dallas it was getting hot they were selling out big arena for that so i think this is a kind of a good platform to put them on showcase like you can get some of the bigger names in there if you want like finn balor or something like that but they're not sorry about that but who is gonna win Baron Corbin. Yeah, he's, he's going to win. There, there's no way that's changing in my book because I think that was a great launching point for his career. Um, I wish they would have done a little more with him in that year, but that, that would have been a great start. Hopefully in my dream world, he would have been like, I don't know, let's say world champion by the end of the year. What do you think of that, Freddie? Um, Terrible idea. <laughs> yeah, all right. So next, we're going to go... Oh, hold on, oh, yeah. world champion! World champion by the end of the year. Um, that's a, that's a stretch. I mean, considering, I mean, he was a SmackDown guy, which after the draft. I mean, obviously in your in your world, it doesn't have to play out mm-hmm. that way. But like world champion by the end of the year, that's kind of crazy. Considering he didn't win a title on NXT at all, he's not coming off of like an NXT championship run or an NXT tag team championship run. He's he's just going right into it. So okay, but have you seen his finisher? Yeah, that's crazy. That's like crazy. A finisher doesn't make a Zach wrestler. Ryder. A finisher doesn't make a wrestler. Dude, Orton's, Orton's gimmick was like a big RKO guy for like the last eight years. Chill out. Yeah, if but we're we- gonna talk about like finishers, I mean the Rough Rider. Come on, I'm sorry, I don't want to back. Right, that, that's for true. Too that's for true. All right, all right. I can respect that. If you want, I didn't write this down. Put a little moment. He gets a little broski boot where everyone goes, you know. All right. Um, next, we got the United States Championship match. We got Kalisto. This, He's heading to the show. the pre-show? I'm sorry. Yes, this is still in the pre-show. Um, All right. I think this is the year. This might have been the year where they started doing the longer pre-shows, I believe. Because, um, you know, they, they love to make that thing way longer than it has to be. So, <laughs> yeah. We're going to start with Kalisto. He's the champion, and he's not going to defend against Ryback because reasons. <laughs> um, yeah, it makes we sense. Love a racing, we yeah. love erasing Ryback from history. So what we're going to do instead is push it onto Rusev earlier. We're going to have Rusev come out with the League of Nations. They get a fun little entrance, but not a full one because we'll use the League of Nations a little later, of course. But you can do a little spot with interference from, like, Barrett, Sheamus. Wait, Barrett? Yeah, he was in the League of Nations, duh. And then 
we get little Sin Cara spot because he was in the latter match, I believe. Yes, he was. But we can yeah. we can take him. He can get a little spot, just get a little outside dive. But regardless, Kalisto's going to get a big old super kick from Rusev, and he's going to tap to the accolade. And the pre-show ends with Rusev holding the U.S. Championship. Machka. Mm-hmm. Is he still going to tank or no? What was that? Tank. Yeah, Tank. Tank. No, no, no tank in this one. If, I mean... If we really want one, he could get like a Shotzi Blackheart sized one. But TCB. <laughs> All right, let's go to the main card. We've got the opening match, which I think this is going to be. I, I need to plant the seeds for this a little bit earlier. So the Miz is going to walk into WrestleMania starting with the Intercontinental Championship a little bit earlier. Because as we remember, Kevin Owens, he would have been the champion walking in. But. He'll, he'll get used a little later. The Miz is going to defend against Chris Jericho and AJ Styles. I think AJ Styles should be the very first entrance on the main card because, I mean, it's AJ Styles. I think that would be amazing. Phenomenal, if you will. It was his first he can WrestleMania, get a too. a big entrance, too. What was that? It was his first WrestleMania, too, so it would be fitting. <laughs> and I think he should get it like a big entrance for sure. Like, if you, if you want to do something, I wrote down this as a little as a little joke, but I actually kind of like this now, thinking about it. They could do, like, inflatable hands like they did for Mrs. Word Awesome in WrestleMania 27. <laughs> they could do that. That's funny. For AJ. Anyways, I think that could be fun, but the only way, the only thing I really want out of this match is for Styles to lose dirty instead of losing clean, because... That was my biggest issue with him being on WrestleMania 32 is him losing clean to Chris Jericho. That was gross. So it ended with phenomenal or a phenomenal forearm to Jericho. Miz comes in, gives AJ a skull-crushing finale, and Miz actually pins Jericho instead. It'll piss some people off, but at least AJ isn't the one taking the pin in that end. So Miz will walk out champion, which we can still have AJ... I don't know, challenge for the title, the WWE title. So after that, we're going to go into the tag titles. So we've got the New Day. They're going to walk in, tag champs. They're going to defend against the League of Nations. They're back. They're going to be, it's going to be Sheamus and Barrett. And we're going to add in the Wyatts. I, I don't want the only Wyatt appearance to be, you know, losing to The Rock. That kind of sucks. Um, if you really want the rock on the card, you can still do the flaming rock at some point, but no, I, I don't want that spot with Bray Wyatt and the rock. So no Usos or Dudley's versus on the card either. Cause I just, I don't really see the Usos and the Dudley's really fitting in, in this match. I think this is fine enough to leave it at the triple thread. So yeah, basically just new day's going to win. I think it's a good chance for Strowman and good, especially Strowman, because in a few months from now, he's going to be a singles competitor. And, well, we don't want the first appearance for him to be, oh, there's this new guy. What's he going to do? They kind of just forget about the Wyatt family appearance that he made, which kind of sucked. So hopefully he'll do better with at least a little bit more of a spotlight at WrestleMania. Let me take a breath here. All right. So 
Next, we're going to start a women's battle royal because I don't want the Total Divas tag match. Uh, that was originally on the pre-show card, but I'll pass on that. We're going to pass on that. So we'll bring out more NXT women again because they are going to be women at this point. They're not going to be Divas. And I actually want to give this win to Bailey. I think she should debut on the main roster at this point. Um, then we go into Kevin Owens versus The Undertaker. Okay, so this is these next three matches, well, minus the women's title match, are going to be very different than the main card. We're going to have Kevin Owens facing Undertaker still in Hell in a Cell. And I, I want that to be a cell match still because I want Kevin Owens to be the one that dives off Hell in a Cell. Make. Mm. Yeah. I think that would be a great star-making moment for him. So that's what we'll do instead. He can be angry, you know. He, We started this with the Royal Rumble in 2016. AJ Styles debuted. And Kevin Owens, he was the first one to eliminate it. What they can do is they can kind of put AJ Styles in the Intercontinental title picture at that point. But, you know, some shenanigans, Miz, Miz ends up winning the title off of Owens. But, of course... Owens is not happy about that. So he decides to pull a machine gun Kelly on Undertaker and throws him off the stage, you know? But Undertaker isn't going to be happy about that. So he's going to start stalking Kevin Owens the way he's the way Undertaker used to do. He's going to drive his limo. He's going to watch him in the mirror and all that. They can, like, pre-tape some of that stuff, too. So, like, Undertaker's the part-timer dude. He doesn't need to be there all three of those months. So they could just do it backstage. Yeah. So yeah, that 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 that's really the main thing I want is just for Kevin Owens to jump off the cell. But yeah, I think Undertaker should win that, unfortunately. Kevin Owens, he'll get his moment a little later in the year with the Universal title. Okay. So long as uh, Aaron Corbin doesn't beat him to it. <laughs> I would eat my hat if that happened. Oh, well, I hope you're wearing a hat. Okay, so Charlotte Flair versus Sasha Banks for the Women's Championship. I think this is a good match, just one-on-one. If we start the build for it being the Women's Championship ahead of time instead of on the night of, like, they can still do that Lita spot on Raw a few weeks before, maybe a month or two before. And, yeah, Sasha Banks, she'll get a big entrance We'll get Snoop Dogg, but not the girl that was singing it. That She wasn't that great. <laughs> I didn't think she was. <laughs> Just keep Snoop. He's cool. But yeah, Charlotte's going to win because we can't have a happy ending to every match, unfortunately. Yeah. It's as much as I... It, it's interesting that you take Becky out of the equation considering Charlotte and Sasha at the time were basically getting every Divas Championship match... Oh, wait, no, that was after the fact. But Not yet. I would think that was after. Yeah, that was, that was after that the was fact. But I still felt like Charlotte and Sasha were, like, constantly facing each other. Well, they yeah, weren't. but I think, I feel like if we start this earlier, we'll get it out of the way a lot quicker, too. We can probably even finish that rivalry up before the draft starts. So by then, Bailey will already be an established woman on that roster, and she'll be, like, a contender right away once that brand split starts. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, just for clarification, why did you uh, take Becky Lynch out of that match? I, I I just didn't 
feel like having her in. That that's really it, you know. That's real. I don't think. I don't think 2016 Becky Lynch was my favorite wrestler at that time. That's really it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'm gonna have to read off the next two descriptions because there is a lot, and I want to make sure that it's not that I don't get myself confused. So the next two matches are Shane McMahon versus Brock Lesnar. <laughs> That's a good one. Wow, I like that. Mm-hmm. I wanted so to pause your reaction for that one. Spot? Hmm? Is there a shooting star into a Kimura spot in this match? <laughs> I didn't make a note for that, but sure. Let's put it in. Can, oh, can, let's okay. go. can Brock murder Royal Shane, Rumble please? 2016. Roman Reigns is still defending the WWE Championship in the row. Number 29 is Triple H. Uh-oh. Triple H versus Roman? The match nobody wants? Everybody thinks we're screwed. I actually wrote that that way. Sorry about that. Till number 30... Here comes the money. Shane McMahon's going to come back in the Royal Room instead go. of on a random Raw. I think that'll be fun. So we'll get Shane back in there. He'll, you know, he'll fuck some shit up. He'll throw some interesting throws, some punches that he does, I guess. <laughs> you know. Air quotes they, around the word punches. We, we, we've seen him. <laughs> they're not punches. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Shane McMahon, he's back. He wants control of Monday Night Raw. It's time for the authority to go. It's long overdue. So instead of the Undertaker, Triple H is going to give him the opportunity to get control of if he can beat him at Fastlane. So Triple H versus Shane is advertised, but the match is interrupted by Brock Lesnar because Mr. McMahon sends him in. We don't want we don't want Mr. McMahon's son-in-law, goofy son-in-law, to make the choices. Oh wait, no. What does CM Punk say? He says. Doofus son-in-law. There we go. We don't want his doofus son-in-law making the choices about who shows. So, Mr. McMahon is going to send in Brock. And why will Brock do it? Money. Because, yeah, he's there to get paid. So, if he can at least last in a match with Brock, sure, get control. But good luck with that. If he comes out alive, you know? Um, so, he'll get control of Raw. They can go pretty crazy with this one. I'm, I'm sure it could be a little bit more than Dean versus Brock. Like, they can do at least the trash can coast-to-coast spot and everything, but Brock has to win because he's not going to lose to Shane McMahon. That, that, that would be ridiculous. So you can kind of start Shane, that brand split from there. Mind yeah. you, you said that might that's a little ridiculous, but mind you, Shane McMahon is one of the last three people to pin Roman Reigns, I believe, clean as a whistle in the middle of the ring. Just pointing that out. Shut up. Are you serious? <laughs> the last three guys, if, if, if I'm not incorrect, the last three guys to pin Roman Reigns in the center of the ring, clean as a whistle, well, I don't want to say clean as a whistle, but pin him for a one, two, three, are Jey Uso, Baron Corbin, mm-hmm. and Shane McMahon. I hate. This is true. I hate the fact yeah, that the those are in the world. I get it. I think Aaron, Roman Reigns Aaron, in Aaron. Saudi Arabia. Eric Rowan's in there too. God damn it, dude! Well, you're making this work. That is for true. <laughs> That's facts. That I forgot for you. Holy crap! Yeah. So yeah, Shane McMahon. He'll take control of. But with that, they can put Stephanie on SmackDown. Which the role? I don't care. It's fine. It'll be the same anyways. So yeah, he's got Raw. 
Steph's got SmackDown, they can start splitting the brands like almost right off the bat. Well, not right away, but they'll they'll start the process, you know, the build for it. So, as I mentioned, Triple H is in the Rumble. He doesn't win it though. That's because for the main event of WrestleMania 32 in Evans World, Dean Ambrose is going to walk into WrestleMania as the champion. And he's going to face Roman Reigns because Triple H should not wrestle for the WWE Championship or be the champion in 2016. That just, it's not the greatest decision in, in my opinion. It would have made sense, I think, if I was thinking back in 2015 when they like started that rumor of the match even happening, I don't think anybody pictured Triple H being the one holding the championship. So that that was a little bit off-putting when that happened. And I don't think Dean Ambrose's babyface lunatic thing was that great. So like he should have been the one to break the shield, in my opinion. So this is where we're going to start a heel turn for him. They can start planting the seeds at Survivor Series, like leave it the same. Face Roman Reigns for the WWE chip after Seth vacated it from injury, unfortunately. So we're going to make the little match, the match a little bit more frustrating for him because he's just not able to beat him. And at the Royal Rumble, Shane's eliminated by Triple H and Triple H just needs to stay around to cost Roman the match. That, that's really why he entered the match in the first place. So Dean's going to eliminate Roman and they can just play, he can play dumb. Like he's the one that it's a every man for himself match. Yeah. He's still, they're still buddies. They think, and they try to stay cool. They can do some tag matches here and there, but leading up to fast lane, I don't actually have Dean defending the championship because he has quote unquote time off. But when he comes back, He's going to be clean-shaven, slicked hair, in a nice suit. It's going to be a little bit different. He's got a little more money to that check now that he's a champion. And he kind of likes the way it looks on him, you know? So they're going to keep teaming up. There's going to be a lot of tension. And after some missed opportunities with, like, missed hot tags and all that, Dean is just going to lose the match to a pull-up, unfortunately. And he's going to take it out on Roman. So after that, they can eventually just line Triple H officially up with Dean, in my opinion. They, they could be good. And after that, give Dean some new music, get a good Titantron, you know. Those were important to me back in the day. And we end WrestleMania with heel Dean versus face Roman because, I, as I mentioned like the other day, that's a rivalry I would have really liked, and I don't think they really took advantage of that when they had both men on the roster. So that is how I would want to book my WrestleMania, is you can end it with Roman. Maybe it won't be the greatest ending, but I think this is a better outcome than him winning against Triple H, if that makes sense. Is there anything I can clarify before I mute myself real quick? No, I think no, I think I, mean, I think that's a preferable way of booking it. Yeah, yeah especially I, that main event. That main event, you really got me behind you with that one. That was a fantastically uh, thought out main event. Well, much better than what they actually did. Yeah, I I just I I, I wouldn't have, I I couldn't have sat through Triple H versus Reigns 
actually turned it off oh, with my oh, with my dad. You didn't? Either. I, I went I went to bed as soon as that match came on. Yeah. Rains and each. Yeah, I was done that night. I was like, okay, you, you well, can't this, tell me this that WrestleMania has already been like six hours. Good night. I'll a see you. Thirty on minute Triple H match in two thousand and sixteen. In and of itself, I don't care who the hell he's facing. It ain't it ain't for me. I love Triple H. Papa H has saved the WWE in so many ways in the last few years, but that was not it. That was just so not it. That 2012 end of an era thing really should have been an end of an era. Yeah, like the end of both men's careers. No offense, but anyway. Well, Evan, that was fantastic. I gotta say, well, well thought out WrestleMania, and I, I personally think that if that was what they did it would have been 10 times better than the WrestleMania that we actually got. Thank you. I appreciate that. All righty. Well, Evan rebooked WrestleMania 32, and I think he did a fantastic job. So now I'm going to move on down to Adam, who chose, interestingly enough, WrestleMania 25 from back in 2009, which I actually thought was a fairly good WrestleMania as it was. In fact, for me, I have it in the upper echelons overall, in the top half at least, number 16 for me uh, all time. But I'm interested to see what Adam's got. So, Adam, the floor is yours. All right, yeah. And just as um, just for a note, I chose this WrestleMania because it was the first WrestleMania I've ever like watched on pay-per-view. So it, it holds a very unique place in my heart as a, a pay-per-view. Okay. So the first match that I chose, or that I booked rather, was the Women's Battle Royal. I thought that was a great concept because at the time, the Divas division, as it was known then, wasn't necessarily the best. So I think getting a lot of them on there as a showcase was good. However, I did not, unfortunately, much to the chagrin of everybody here, did not book Santina Morella to win. In fact, I booked Beth Phoenix to because God damn it. if any, if, you're if joking. Anyone, Thank no. God. <laughs> because if anyone's gonna win in that time period, it's gonna be the Glamazon. You know what I mean? Be. Like yeah. who else? Like you could argue Molina, I guess, but like, um, it's it's Beth Phoenix all the way. She carried no, that division no, through you. like the lowest of lows. Yeah, no, I hundred, I'm, I'm with you 100% she on that one. Been. I was totally just kidding. <laughs> yeah, no, she absolutely This will be my last side comment on this, but is Kid Rock still going to do the singing for the entrance? Well, I mean, does the sun come up in the morning? <laughs> <laughs> I guess that answers that question. You got me there. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, okay. And secondly, I, I know they did the, uh, the unification title for the tag titles between Miz and Morrison and the Colognes. And I was looking at that match, and I was like, huh, one, it would be better. Instead of the uh, Colognes, we put Crime Time in that. Because Crime Time never won the tag titles. And Crime Time, bro, I mean. It was such a crime. crime. Would it really was such more? a crime. That's what I'm saying. You know? And I have Crime Time beating Miz and Morrison for that. Because I feel like, A, they were over with the crowd. And B, their tag finisher, the little Samoan drop with the neckbreaker, it doesn't get much better. Like... They were so criminally underutilized for how talented they actually were. So I think having them have both titles, especially when they were transitioning into that new tag title phase, um, I think the team to spearhead that would definitely be crime time. You know, obviously Miz and Morrison, a really good team, even better as singles competitors, but you you just don't have that dynamic, you know, that crime time. I genuinely couldn't tell you. Just to clarify, 
just to clarify, Crime Time is replacing Primo and Epico? Or not Primo oh, and Epico. Car- yeah, Primo and Carlito. Carlito and Primo. They beat them on like a throwaway SmackDown or something, and then the unification just oh. goes from there. Yeah, because I mean, initially I had it, I had it booked as the Colognes versus Crime Time, but I didn't like the face versus face dynamic, so I just you, substituted that out. In, in all honesty, Miz and Morrison were the really the best established team they had at the time, besides Crime Time, especially on the heel side. You know, the Colognes mm-hmm. were a cool concept, and the Colognes, I think they actually took the titles off of Hawkins and Ryder, which is a acid trip of a memory to actually think about um and then they beat hawkins and Ryder, and then i don't remember a single thing they did for probably like four or five months as champions then they had the unification match and again they kind of just disappeared and then the next thing i remember was them having the match with uh where edge and chris jericho actually won the titles yeah. in that three-way well, uh, on the pay-per-view match. itself the unification match was a dark match if i or it got cut you were correct it was yeah. a dark match. it was a dark match yeah yeah, which I think is absolutely wild, but yeah. You know, tag team wrestling did not matter in two thousand and nine. You don't remember that, yeah. but anyway, continue. I like the idea. Yeah. For the uh, for the intercontinental championship match, I didn't go with Rey Mysterio for um, uh, John Layfield's opponent, which I have him as my notes as John Layfield. But I thought it was funny, <laughs> um, and I haven't taken on a uh, Kofi Kingston because I feel like JBL works best as a heel. When he can be like a pseudo racist, you know, because you, you saw with the um, Eddie Guerrero match back in two thousand four, and and obviously you could play into that like you know big time stockbroker, you know mumbo jumbo, and you have Kofi Kingston who's an upbeat, laid back. In two thousand nine, they're pretty much very different in the contrast. I think it'd be a very good matchup style of styles. And I have JBL winning this match because I'll be honest, I'm just a mark for the clothesline from hell, and I feel like at that time. The IC title scene was kind of in that weird, like, like we're not going to put you as world champion, so you can just have this belt for now. So I think having JBL as champion post-Mania would be a better route to go, especially if you have someone of the notoriety of a JBL. So just a quick question for clarification, because he lost the title and then quit, air quotes. He, he went back into retirement. Do you have, like, an yeah. idea of, like, how long he would have... Can you, how you would have had him? Continue? Oh, he's 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 dropping in that backlash. Oh, all right, all right. I'm just because I, I know he was like he was ready to go, so I, I'm just trying to figure yeah. out, you know, where, where you were going yeah. with that. And in this one, he stays an extra month and he wins. You know, similarly to how Edge beat Balor his past Mania for like the whole retirement moment type thing. Yeah, if, gotcha. you know if that makes sense. All right, and then the next match is, and the only reason this match exists on my card is because I forgot to book Triple H. Um is uh, Triple H versus The Big Show. Because when I was booking this, I didn't really have anything for either guy because I feel like they didn't really fit in their matches, per se. And just for clarification, Triple H doesn't win the title in the chamber. Um, Jeff Hardy retains it. Jeff Hardy is my champion going into this. Um, so the showcase matches is Triple H versus Big Show. I don't know, go up, get some overpriced popcorn. Triple H wins, everyone's happy. Um and now this one's very different. I have the United States Championship on this card because, oddly enough, it wasn't booked on this on this show because MVP was in that Money in the Bank match. Holy shit, yeah. But, yeah, I have um, MVP defending against Vladimir Kozlov <laughs> because and, – and, and you might be wondering, why did I put Kozlov in such a mid-card position? And the, to answer your question is, if you look back in the latter half of 2008 – He's, you know, he's beating Taker clean. He's regularly in the main title picture. 
might as well give him a mid-card championship just to test the waters to see how he'd be as champion, right? And that's exactly what I have. I have it as booked as, like, MVP. It's just, like, doing his thing and Kozlov comes out or, like, wins a number one contender's match or something, and he just faces him at Mania, which I have him winning for that. I mean, I mean Ka- yeah, I feel like... No, go ahead, Fred. I was just going to say, Ka- Kozlov was so heavily pushed. Again, I mean, it's the old... Vince McMahon meme about you know big dudes. That's really the only reason why he did it. But he he actually was a w- one win away from being the Undertaker's opponent at at this WrestleMania. And I mm-hmm. swear to God, the concept of, of not having Taker versus Shawn, my favorite match of all time, in exchange for Taker versus Kozlov, just blows my mind in a way that makes me sad and depressed. And I'm so glad that we actually got it the way we did. And I feel like what you're doing would have been a much better use of everybody's time. And, hey, the United States title meant F, not, uh, F all at the time. So, you know, I, I, why not give it to Kozlov, see what he can do with it. Mm-hmm. And then for my next match is the Money in the Bank at WrestleMania. Um, so I'm just going to list off everyone in that match real quick. We have Matt Hardy, Christian, Rey Mysterio, Cody Rhodes, DiBiase Jr., Shelton Benjamin, Kane and the Brian Kendrick because I'm, I'm just a Kendrick Mark. I was going to put him in the match anyway. The so, yeah. So a notable omission, as you'll notice, is CM Punk, and we'll get to him later. But I think, think CM Punk should not have won the Money in the Bank in 2009. I feel like it was a stupid decision. You should have, you should have given it to Christian. However, I don't have Christian as my winner here. I have Matt Hardy as my Money in the Bank winner. Um, because at this time at least in my universe, my Adams 2009, Matt Hardy never turned on Jeff Hardy at the Rumble. Jeff Hardy beat Edge clean as a whistle, right? Um, And so going into that, I was like, I definitely think we could run with the Hardy storyline, but after Mania. I feel like that's a really great segue from Mania to SummerSlam is having the Hardys in a world title feud. So we have Matt Hardy uh, winning the Money in the Bank. Preferably pushing on someone off like Cody Rhodes or DiBiase, and we'll get to that one. Why say it's like the final spot in a moment? But yeah, Matt, Mister Money in the Bank, Matt Hardy. Uh, <laughs> I think is a bit of a left field take, but you know. Anywho, we have the the you know the streak match is you know Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels because why would it be literally anything else? Thank God. Um, and that go- and that goes on as planned, although. I wrote in my notes, um, yeah, but in this universe, Meltzer rates it uh, five stars because um, why did he not do that? But, you know. I mean, yeah, that's, right. the, that's, the, that's the match right there. If you took that one out, I would have lost my mind. I, it's my favorite match ever. Yeah. I, I've watched it more times than I'll ever be able to count. It is just impeccable in every way. I don't think there will ever be anything that – well put together <laughs> yeah anyway for the world heavyweight championship i actually booked the fatal four-way we have the defending champion chris jericho who oh sorry did anyone else something to say no oh okay so i must need the feedback i'm sorry anywho i have jericho coming into as the champion i know we lost it in Armageddon again in 2008 to cena but that doesn't happen in nine i think jericho just goes all the way um, and he defends against uh, John Cena because it's 2009. Having John Cena in a world title match, it just makes sense. Um, but he's also defending against Edge, 
who pulls the same stunt he, he did in No Way Out 2009, but he loses. Because I think that just be a lot, like, a, makes more sense, considering he already had been in a match prior. Um, and then I also have him as CM Punk as the fourth one, because he never really got that retribution for, um, you know, getting Punk kicked and having to vacate the title. So I feel like having those four guys, especially, um, like, at this stage in their careers, they would still put on a very formidable match. And I have Edge uh, eking out a victory. Like, as in, like, a CM, you know, it's like a whole, like, little finisher spam. Like, you know, someone hit, like, Punk hits a GTS to Edge. Cena hits the uh, attitude adjustment to um, Punk. Jericho hits the codebreaker, then Edge hits the spear, you know? And so, because I feel like Edge going, um, winning the title would definitely make a lot more sense. Because he never really had that uh, mania moment in terms of, like, winning, the, like, winning like a, the big one, even if not in the main event. He obviously had to retain, but, you know, to win it is different to retain it. I mean, destroying notable prick Del Rio is pretty amazing. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> that's a pretty good. And then, still, but even still, though, I think that WrestleMania 24 with him and Taker main eventing that card, despite there not being a title involved in Edge losing, I still think that's that main event spot is very notable for his career, yeah, and he well, yeah. he regards it as his favorite match as well. Well, yeah, I mean. Um, yeah, it was it was also a well put together feud. I mean, they they built that perfectly for about a year. You know, they they they, they curved it around both Taker's injuries and then uh, what's it called? Edge got injured and then they worked it back in and they just played it off really well. And uh, at WrestleMania twenty four, I didn't watch it live, but it was the first Mania I ever watched from start to finish. I bought the DVD a few months after the show, and I I, I was a big mark for that match. I mean. Edge's entrance where he's walking out with that big gold belt around his waist and then the the pyro behind him is just such a badass moment and you know it was it was one of my favorites but I I really do like the idea of him getting a chance to win the world title at WrestleMania like I do agree with what Adam said winning a title is much more in, you know impressive and memorable than you know retaining a title or defending it in a loss kind of a thing even if it is one of the best matches of his career I do I do like that concept yeah, and then for my main event is I have the defending, the you know the reigning defending undisputed WWE champion uh, Jeff Hardy versus Randy Orton. Dude, I love you for that. Um, one. I love you for that one because obviously Orton wins the Rumble two thousand nine because mm-hmm. I wouldn't even touch that Rumble match because it's just one. Of, it's just arguably one of the greatest Rumble matches of all time in my opinion. Um, and I think considering that's like legacy Orton and all that, I feel like he's the perfect heel versus Jeff Hardy, who at the time is outselling John Cena. You know, number one babyface versus number one heel, it, it, it writes itself. And so the, the build for this one is obviously Jeff Hardy beats Edge at um, the Royal Rumble. The turn up with Matt Hardy never happens. Randy Orton wins the Rumble. And No Way Out, um, uh, 2009. You know, Hardy retains, obviously, and Orton attacks him after the match. And the rationale I have for going into the feud is that because since Jericho is already the world heavyweight champion, why it doesn't make sense to run a heel versus heel for the main event of Mania. It makes sense for a heel versus face. And you know, you can always run that. You can always run the fact that Hardy never beat Orton like one on one. Because if you look back, you have uh, Royal Rumble two thousand eight, a notable example. So, it, like, it's more so, like, Orton's being an opportunist in the realm of Edge, ironically, but 
you know, he takes that. But in this one, I still have Orton losing in the main event because obviously Jeff Hardy's at his peak of his popularity. So having him go over in the main event of the 25th anniversary, that just makes sense to me. Wait, just give me one sec. Well, I do like the idea of Jeff Hardy as WWE champion going into WrestleMania. I mean, Jeff Hardy yeah. is just goaded. It'd be really yeah, interesting to, to tease a Matt Hardy cash in like during the match. Yeah, uh, maybe he thinks about it, and maybe he decides to let Jeff have his moment or something like that. Yeah. But really, the... I have that in my notes. I actually have that in my notes because Jeff Hardy wins, he retains the title, and Matt Hardy comes up. He's obviously brotherly love, but he has a case in hand. So, like for a split second, you think it, but it's not going to happen. And obviously, a Jeff Hardy main event entrance would probably go incredibly bonkers. Not gonna lie here. And then for my future notes, Matt Hardy catches in on Matt catches in on Jeff the following role, like literally next day. Um, because I just Whoa. because obviously you can have the moment and whatnot. So yeah, that's uh, my card, and I think it's better than what we actually got, especially because Triple H versus Orton was such a heatless main event, especially the finish. Like if you hear the crowd, they're just deflated. So I feel like a Jeff Hardy win would definitely have people in higher spirits coming out of the event. I had no yeah, idea why. I, maybe, I, maybe I watched the DVD in the wrong order by accident or something. I always thought that the triple threat was the main event. Maybe it wasn't. No. Um, no. Maybe I missed it. Was, it was Orton versus um, Triple H. Orton versus Triple H. Triple H. I mean, that makes sense with him being the Royal Rumble winner for sure. And you know what I think was the big Which, issue with that? Ma- oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. I, I just feel like what kind of made that match not as great is after all the hell that Randy Orton put Triple H through that the stipulation was that if he gets counted out or disqualified he's going to yeah, lose yeah, the championship. Yeah, that was literally what I was just going to say. Like, that was the whole the whole problem with that match. That match was a blood feud where Randy Orton attacked Triple H's wife handcuffed him to the ropes and he kissed his wife in front of It was just... Like, you wanted to see Triple H rip Randy Orton's head clean off his body. They had the whole home invasion thing where Triple H got arrested for breaking and entering at Randy Orton's house and beating the piss out of him there and throwing him to the front window. How could you turn around and then take that match and say, yep, if Triple H gets disqualified or counted out, he's going to be losing his title. Like, screw you. I want to see him make him bleed and die. You know, even if Randy does win, which I really did think Randy should have won the match that happened. I agree. You know, be a blood bloodbath or whatever the PG equivalent of a bloodbath is in 2009. Just don't go the route that you did. It made no sense. So if they were to run the same match, just that's how I would do it differently. But I'm also a big Jeff Hardy mark, and I really like that concept of him not only getting to defend the title in the main event of WrestleMania, but winning. So I like it. And I might have missed this. Is there a stipulation behind Jeff versus Orton, or is it just a regular singles match? It's it's uh, it's just a regular singles match, but mm-hmm. like obviously with like ref bombs and whatnot, you, like because you know it's you know Jeff Hardy and Orton. You have the whole legacy coming out. You have uh, Matt Hardy obviously giving up the odds, and the, the finish I had was actually pretty cool. Um, so you guys remember the, the, the one of the greatest spots of all time um, when Hardy goes for the twist of fate and Orton counted into RKO. Yeah. Yeah. So I have like I, the finish I have envisioned for that is that spot like happens. Hardy kicks out two point nine. Orton's like you know 
you know, you know, talking to ref, calling them all types of like names and whatnot, turns around, gets hit with a twist of fate, and then you get like, you know, the crowd's all hyped up, and then you know, hits the swanton bomb, especially back in that time with that little blue stage. You know, uh, a high angle camera swanton bomb is going to be, you know, spectacular. So, yeah, the optics on it would then, be really cool as well. Yeah, and then you have the confetti coming down. You have the both party boys. It's almost like, like. A, like, like a climax of such a, of his career up to that point, so yeah, that's kind of weird to think about. Had it played out the way you just described, how everything could have been different for Jeff Hardy's entire life. I mean, uh, well, there's, Jeff, the, there's the possibility that he wouldn't have, you know, done all the horrible things that he's done in his outside of his wrestling career and stuff like um, that. Yeah, it's, it's open yeah. to interpretation, but I agree. And who knows? He may not have left WWE that summer. I know he said he was the, the whole reason why he was burnt out and whatnot, but the, the the ability to know he could succeed at a level that he had always dreamt of would potentially have been something to keep him there, and then maybe he doesn't have that run in Impact Wrestling. Maybe he doesn't go to TNA, you know? You know things could have been a lot different. Hardy wouldn't have been away for seven years. You know, there's, there's a lot of... Could have not been away, obviously, or he could have still. I mean, you know, different things could have played out the way that they did, um, because that that whole rivalry with CM Punk that he had that following summer, I think would have been great. I mean, I, I see what Adam was going for. You know, Matt cashes in on Jeff the next night. You know, they feud over that title. Then you know, if you, I would personally want to keep that rivalry he had with Punk, uh, but you could always just use the draft as a way to do that. Hardy goes to the other show, World Title. They have the feud over that, and you know, whatever. But. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I I have the Punk in my notes. I have the Punk Hardy feud continues as planned, but without the World Title, because obviously Jeff Hardy has his own thing, and you have CM Punk, you know, Straight Edge and whatnot. That doesn't really need the title. You know what I mean? True. So. Granted, they wouldn't have had that TLC match then at some at SummerSlam, but I see what you're saying. Yeah, well, you, you, there's ways to work around it, I guess. Yeah, they could have just had a, you know, no, any Extreme Rules match or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. All right. But I, don't know, I feel like, like I'm at, oh, sorry. Imagining 2009 Matt Hardy, WWE champion, too, is just oh, God. so crazy. That is a very weird I concept. mean, it's, it's not a long reign, but it's, it's definitely a reign yeah. that happens in my universe. That's true. Good one. I, I I really enjoyed what you did with it. Yeah, especially Not considering I, I thought that was, it was a good WrestleMania as it was. So I, I like the changes. I like I like the 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 subtle nuance that's there of like everything has a purpose, everything has a story, and all the titles are made to seem important again. Okay. Well, Adam, thank you very much for sharing WrestleMania twenty five with us. Now we pivot. To Austin. Austin is going to talk to us about WrestleMania 29 from 2013. WrestleMania 29, one of the more uh, con- not controversial shows, but hard hard to consider shows because it had its highs, it had its lows, it had its good things, it had its bad. I kind of put it right in the middle. It's number 21 out of 39 for me, so it's kind of like a mid range show, you know, on the, maybe the lower half a little bit. Uh, but I want to hear what I, uh, Austin has to say about WrestleMania 29. So the floor belongs to you, Austin. Let's hear what you got. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, so I, I will say that the reason why I chose this WrestleMania, if it's if you don't already know this about me, is that that was the first WrestleMania that I attended in person um, in 2013. Um, I went with my family, I went with my dad, my sister, and um, we had an absolute blast. I mean, I think 
you know, childhood nostalgia being what it was, I did really enjoy the WrestleMania as at the time, I think looking back on it, there are definitely um, improvements to be made for sure. Um, I did my best to make sure that once again, I factored in people who might've been injured at the time. Um, the, there was, there was one instance and I'll reference it later where I genuinely could not find a single article about whether these two were injured or not. Um, and they were, they're very injury prone superstars. And so maybe I'll ask you guys to correct me whether I, whether they might've been injured at the time or not. Um, so yeah, let's get into it. And I know this isn't going to work for the, um, audience of people listening at home, but I actually went one step further and, um, being a graphic designer, like I am, I made some visual aids for you three to look at that I'm going to drop into the Discord at some point. Oh my God, you're um, such an overachiever, bro. <laughs> I know, bro. I'm working two jobs and I still wanted to do this, but um, yeah. You're doing so, great, Austin. You're doing great. So, uh, starting off, uh, let's see if we can get this to send and maybe it will, maybe it won't. We're going to have straight up match okay. cards to review. Like, this is insane. Um, um, so starting off with the pre-show, we are getting the women on the card because they were no, very notably left off the card for WrestleMania 29. I think that's an absolute travesty considering, you know, women's wrestling again, wasn't where it got to even a couple of years later, but it was still making some decent strides at the time to deserve a match on the card at WrestleMania. So um, picking up with the pre-show match, I have um, the defending Divas champion, Caitlin taking on the challenger, AJ Lee. Um, so it's a pretty straightforward build for this match since uh, this is like an a, a women's match in 2013. There wasn't really a lot of thought put behind them anyways at that time, unfortunately, and it's B on the pre-show. Um, so if you might remember on March 25th, Caitlin brawled backstage with her former tag partner, AJ Lee, and faced her in a match, but they lost, uh, lost via countout. So later that week, Caitlin got revenge on AJ in a mixed tag involving uh, Christian and Biggie Lang Langston. That one I kind of made up, but... Um, that's really all there is to this one. I mean, the two put on a pretty decent pre-show match to get the fans going, but Caitlin retains and drives AJ to get more sadistic, continuing her mind games with the Big E secret admirer angle that allows AJ to win the belt after WrestleMania at Payback. Um, so that was where I thought the pre-show could go with that one. Um, so starting off with the first match on the actual card, I have Randy Orton versus Ryback. Um oh. Yes, I kept Ryback on the card, but I think that given the time period, <laughs> no, but given the time period at the time, I think it would be very appropriate to keep Ryback on the card. Um, he was super over considering, at the time. He was. I mean, he, he not he only was. was he over, but he was getting super pushed too. So I mean, he had a good uh, combination going on there. But um, I've decided that pulling the trigger on Ryback still turn a little early is what's best for business in this alternate universe. So after being frustrated following several failed bouts against. CM Punk for the WWE Championship and being the runner-up in the Royal Rumble, Ryback's appetite grows much larger. In this alternate universe, uh, Ryback is in the World Heavyweight Championship number one contender's Elimination Chamber match against Swagger, Orton, Henry, Chris Jericho, and Daniel Bryan. Um, but after Ryback's eliminated from the Chamber match, his frustrations boil over, and he decides to deliver a shell shock to Orton through the pod, costing Orton the match entirely. So Orton probably wouldn't be seen again for several weeks during that time, and Ryback would be plowing through WWE's lower card, Santino Morella, Zack Ryder, beating 3MB in like a three-on-one handicap match. But um, 
on uh, old school Raw, Randy Orton would make his return, even using Burn My Light as like a one-off entrance theme and uh, get his revenge on Ryback. So the two will have a few more weeks of building to the match before getting to kick off WrestleMania. Ryback would probably have a strong showing, but in the end, it'd be Randy Orton picking up the victory by countering the meat hook clothesline into an RKO. Um, so that's what I thought about that match. Holy crap, the meat hook um, clothesline is a move I totally forgot about. <laughs> Adam saying this is some 2015 league graphics. I mean, I tried to make these, not only was I researching which renders were being used in 2013, but I was trying to make them as close to what we actually got for like preview cards as possible. Did I know? Um, it's, it, he, he's that's saying, phenomenal. Yeah, he's saying exactly what I was thinking. I feel like I literally am reliving what we used to see back in the day. Uh, yeah. That's awesome. So for my third match, I thought, oh, sorry, was there anything else? No, I, I did want to say something about Ryback. Um, not that I haven't said enough. But keep it PG, Evan, keep it PG. <laughs> okay, so I, I just, the, just the mindset of turning Ryback heel, I, I feel what you did turning Ryback heel is better than the way WWE did it because I, I think they did terribly with that and they kind of fucked him over a long time I, and I it. still think yeah and I still think that Ryback would end up getting his WWE championship match series with John Cena with like the three stages of hell but I think having him as that pre-established heel rather than it being some jarring heel turn at the time which didn't really make a lot of sense having him um turn heel before WrestleMania and continue on, I think works much better for that. Did they give a reason sure. why mm-hmm. he turned heel on John Cena or was it just because he was just pissed off and wanted to be champion? Was that like what they were going for? That's, I, right. that's really it, honestly. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, so for my third matchup, I thought it was pretty criminal and just like Adam said that the United States Championship constantly gets left off the WrestleMania card or maybe just shoved to the pre-show like it was on WrestleMania 32. The United States Championship is on the line at WrestleMania 29 in my universe with uh, Antonio Cesaro, the current champion at the time, defending against the big show. Um, So Antonio Cesaro has held the United States Championship since August of 2012, despite being pretty underdeveloped on the main roster. I always felt like he earned a match on that card at WrestleMania. Um, But after tearing through the lower card for months now, who would he face? Uh, I think the answer lies in the seven-footer, the big show. I mean, my mind goes to the moment at WrestleMania 30 a year later, and I can't help but wonder if that might have established Cesaro as a singles competitor a year earlier. Um, So I would have Cesaro in a feud with Rey Mysterio, pretty much taking the place of the feud he had with The Miz at uh, Elimination Chamber, where Cesaro first retains at Elimination Chamber via disqualification, but then successfully defeats Mysterio on uh, the March 1st edition of SmackDown. So Cesaro would come out and make comments after the match about how he's got no time for the little guys anymore and how he thinks that his challengers have all been tiny and pathetic. And then the big show would then interrupt and tell Cesaro that if it's a challenge he's looking for, he'd get it at WrestleMania. So over the next few weeks, Cesaro would try to pick up the big show but wouldn't be able to do it. But during their match at WrestleMania, Cesaro would be successful and finally pick up the big show to give him a body slam a la uh, Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant. But despite being a heel, the crowd would go berserk for it, and it could lead to great things for Cesaro. And I have Cesaro picking up the win in that match. Yeah, I think that's great. Um, I'm pretty sure in real time at this point, Cesaro was doing the yodeling thing 
So anything is really better than that. I think the spot yeah, would be great. Yeah, this okay. was this was post Oksana for him. I mean, I I don't remember exactly when. I think it was November or December that he um, cut Oksana off from being his manager. And honestly, that was probably for the best to begin with because I don't understand why they would have a manager that can uh, speak less English than him. Which I thought was really just a some, weird, some bizarre choice. Some things just don't but. make sense in hindsight, and that is one of those things lost forever in the sea of the history of WWE. <laughs> well, don't I mean, I forget that Oksana was dating Teddy Long before. <laughs> I about that, so, too. Do we Holy really know? crap. Also, Cesaro can speak five different languages, and he can tell you all about them, so why does he need a mouthpiece in the first place? Well, who doesn't speak any Oksana of those five languages couldn't even well? speak one. <laughs> Because they're both foreign, obviously. That's fact. Oh, yeah. That's pretty much it, yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, so for my next match, uh, I have the Intercontinental Championship on the line. Wade Barrett is still walking into WrestleMania as the champion. He is facing Sheamus in a two out of three falls match. Sheamus. Um, I feel like there's there's a lot of story to be had here. Yeah, I feel like there's a lot of story to be had here with these two lads from the UK who came up together and they're looking to fight for the Intercontinental Championship. I don't really think this one needs much pre-build other than like a number one contenders match or something like that. I'd have a number one contenders match on old school Raw. Uh, Another fatal four-way to replace the Undertaker fatal four-way that they had because we're going to get to that in a little while. Um, Mm -hmm. But this fatal four-way... I'm sorry. sorry. I completely forgot. I completely forgot that's how they decided who... They literally had a match to see who would earn the right to face The Undertaker. When you get somebody who just, with nothing on the line, they had a whole, like, number one contenders type match. That is insane that they did that type of thing, just a face taker at WrestleMania. And they did that multiple times. They did that in 2009 and again in 2013. That's friggin' wild. The story was so good that I completely forgot that that's how it started. Plus, the, the match itself was kind of random. I mean, it ended up being like CM Punk, Sheamus, Randy Orton, and Big Show. And the other three guys who lost ended up teaming together at WrestleMania, which also was just kind of weird in itself, too. And they um, but don't worry, you won't be seeing that on the card, obviously. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, where was I? Um, so this Fatal 4-Way in Old School Raw would feature Sheamus, Christian, The Miz, and Chris Jericho. And Sheamus would win the match. Uh, the storytelling over the next few weeks is honestly pretty simple. Both men have a European wrestling background, and it will be a test of who can hit harder. Uh, Sheamus remarks that to keep him down, Barrett would have to kill him twice, which results in the match being turned into a two out of three falls match. Um, I'd have Wade Barrett take the early lead of the matchup with a bullhammer elbow right out of the gate as a callback to last year's WrestleMania, where Sheamus beat Daniel Bryan in just 18 seconds. Uh, Sheamus would continue to fight back and gain the second fall, escaping a wasteland and hitting Barrett with a Celtic backbreaker and a white noise to pick up the first fall. Barrett would come close, but uh, Sheamus would kick out of another bullhammer elbow and a wasteland. Uh, Barrett would kick out of a Celtic cross from Sheamus, but Sheamus would deliver a broke kick, which he's been unable to land for the whole match. As a counter to the bullhammer elbow from Barrett, uh, Sheamus would then become the new Intercontinental Champion. Sheamus as Intercontinental Champion is what's best for business. Very good. Spectacular, even. So next up, we've got the World Heavyweight Championship match, which I think at WrestleMania 29 is probably one of the most forgotten about wrestling uh, world title matches of a modern-day WrestleMania. Yeah, yeah, right. 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 
I didn't even I didn't even remember right off the top of my head what it even till over. I've had yeah. the Wikipedia pages pulled up on the side, so I was like, wait, what even? We even wasn't that much. <laughs> we the people. So guys. at the time, at the time, it was Alberto Del Rio defending against the winner of the Elimination Chamber, who I notably took out, Jack Swagger. Um, I think I took him out. I don't remember. Anyways, um, instead, I thought that going with a completely different opponent who probably deserved a world title match at the time based on, you know, how uh, good he was doing with his push and stuff is Mark Henry. Um, so you'd have Alberto Del Rio defending the World Heavyweight Championship against Mark Henry. An interesting matchup that I don't remember if we've even ever gotten, but um, just looking at the card that I made, I really am kind of interested in it. There's one um, one, one note about that. It's a notable prick, Alberto Del Rio. Just want to clarify that. Yes, very, very fair. Um, make sure, so I make sure you say it that way every time. <laughs> notable, okay. prick so no, notable prick, notable prick, notable prick, Alberto Del Rio <laughs> versus Mark Henry for the world heavyweight title. Um, so yeah, I was looking at the rest of the field in the world heavyweight title number one contenders elimination chamber match, which is an, a mouthful, and I hope I don't have to say it again. Um, I quickly realized that Hall of Pain Mark Henry was a much better challenger to face notable prick Alberto Del Rio. <laughs> Um, I, I think that the size difference alone is a hell of a lot more interesting than whatever the hell Jack Swagger was doing at the time with Zeb Coulter. Absolutely nothing. What? He was doing absolutely nothing. I don't know why he got the shot. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, don't get me wrong. I really do enjoy Jack Swagger, but it didn't make any sense at the time. Yeah, but that team went crazy, though. It did. That no, that it, it did. I, I can agree with that. I can definitely, I can definitely get down with that. Um, so yeah, so how would Alberto Del Rio, the notable prick, be able to counter the size and strength of Mark Henry, who in the weeks leading up to WrestleMania has been able to counter most of Del Rio's offense? Uh, WrestleMania comes around and Mark Henry does have a dominating performance, but notable prick Del Rio is able to land more offense tonight. And once he locks in the cross arm bar and Henry in the center of the ring, it's a wrap for the world's strongest man. I would have notable prick Alberto Del Rio retain the title because... There is no way that I would sacrifice the pop the next night from Dolph Ziggler cashing in the world title. There's 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 no way that I would sacrifice that. I would have I would have um, driven to your house and, and slapped you for doing that if you did. I think that, and um, so notably, I will say that left off of the card that I did was the tag team match between uh, Team Hell No and. Dolph Ziggler and Biggie Langston, and unfortunately, I'm not giving Biggie Langston his main roster debut on this WrestleMania. Um, but that's not the last we'll see of the people in that match, or one of the people. So I'll just leave it at that. Um, so the next match is the one where I wasn't sure if anyone was injured at the time, which because two of the guys are pretty injury prone within this match, and I think I'll probably get a lot of like the f- like the fuck is he talking about with this match? But I think once I explain where my thought process was, I think you guys will get it. So in this next match, I have a six-man tag team match replacing the one on the original card. We have The Shield versus The Rock and The Usos. And I couldn't remember if The Usos at the time were injured or not. No, The Usos oh weren't injured. Oh, my God. The Usos had that, um, that cut match with the Road Scholars and the Bella Twins and all that. No, no, they were no, was, no, 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 no. Funk. That was tons of funk, but that, that wasn't been tons of funk. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> yeah, the Usos were definitely not injured at that time. No, I think the Usos so yeah, weren't I don't, I don't really. Think so. I, don't... 
I think that they were still trying to figure out what to do with them. They were. I think that was like the transitionary time when they were going from like heels doing nothing to baby faces doing nothing. And by the summertime, they were starting to have their their big coming out party, if you will, in the sense of them facing Seth and Roman at Money in the Bank yeah. in that pre-show. So also, I think that they just really weren't being booked at the time. Also, I just Googled that they had a dark match for the tag titles against Primo and Epico and uh, Justin Gabriel and Tyson Kidd. No, that was WrestleMania 28. Because, again, yeah, I was there. I, I was there, so that sounded like a brag, but it wasn't. Um <laughs> But anyway, so hear me out with this match because it sounds like, oh, I'm just setting the, the, the tide for all the bloodline feud, which I'm really not. I'm just kind of using uh, the, the pre-existing cards that we are dealt with this uh, feud. So there's, there's a lot more to this. So if you flash back to Royal Rumble 2013, the Shield gets involved as the lights go out and cost The Rock the WWE Championship match against CM Punk. Except... What if The Rock doesn't get the match restarted? What if The Shield just blew his opportunity to become WWE champion? I mean, he's The Rock, so he won't stand for it. So The Rock's going to go after The Shield for the rest of the road to WrestleMania, even having a singles match with Seth Rollins at Elimination Chamber, uh, which he would probably win. Um, <clears throat> the Rock will say that The Shield is compromised, uh, comprised of three men who call themselves brothers, but they aren't a real family. He'll specifically criticize Roman for forgetting what family's all about. Uh, the Rock says that he knows what it means to be a real Oos and call upon the Usos to back him up. Excuse me, I'm just going to get some water. Because I'm losing my voice saying all this stuff. Uh, <clears throat> so <clears throat> now the odds are even and the stage is set for an incredible collision at WrestleMania. The Rock and the Usos perform the Manu Siva, the Manu Siva Tau on the stage, which I'm probably butchering, um, with other Samoan drummers beating the drums on stage with them. Uh, making for a pretty epic entrance. The Rock has even donned some of the Uso face paint to go along with them. Uh, I think the match is extremely even matched until The Rock gets a hot tag from Jimmy Uso and plows through both Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins. Uh, the crowd is loving it, but uh, after The Rock misses a tag from Dean to Roman and gets confused about who the legal man is, Roman would take advantage and the Shield would muster up the strength for a triple power bomb on The Rock. And... Roman would pin The Rock for a huge first win at WrestleMania. So I have the shield going over in that match. Damn. Damn. Reigns pinning The Rock in 2013 would have been just an absolute, just, huh, type of moment, but I'm all for it. I honestly think that that might be something that two years down the line, when people were ready to have Roman Reigns' head when they were pushing him to the moon, that that actually could have theoretically changed the in, like, the outlook people had on Roman because this man had credibility and wasn't just being pushed to the moon because he's Roman, he's Vince McMahon's new favorite boy toy. You know, having the credibility yeah. of saying, I've pinned The Rock at WrestleMania would have done wonders to help give the credibility to say, yeah, he actually deserves the push he's getting, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Rather than, and then the endorsement from The Rock that he got at the end of the Rumble in 2015 would have made sense because The Rock's like, okay, you've proven that you're not the same asshole who beat me two years ago. I respect you. Go to WrestleMania now. Here's your arm being raised. Like, it could have just changed so much of an outlook on things. Ah, uh, what, what, what could have been? This is an awesome idea. <laughs> 
I appreciate that because I was kind of worried that it was going to get a bunch of groans and eye rolls at first because it was just, oh, there's the bloodline. But it's it was comprised of a little bit more than that. I no, think. dude, you literally gave a great I, backstory, and I I think that the the counter effect down the down the line in the future of what would have come from that would have been ten times more positive than what actually came from Roman. Yeah, it, it makes a lot more sense now versus when you first presented it, and like. It's crazy not imagining The Rock versus Cena made eventing this, but I think with this build that you've established, it it makes sense. Um, yeah, I'm I mean, very excited to see your main event. I I think I wanted I really wanted to keep the Cena versus Rock at WrestleMania 28 truly once in a lifetime because that was such a cool slogan, and then they kind of it should have been up a little bit. Sidebar on that, which was funny, was because Booker T was general manager at the time. So the next night on Raw, after Cena beat Rock, I'm 95 percent sure that Booker goes, "The Rock is still the number one contender to the WWE title because the whole guaranteed rematch thing." And John Cena called out the hypocrisy. He goes, "Once in a lifetime, best out of three." And I still remember that to this day. And I'm like, man, they really were that close to running a best out of three of a once in a lifetime. I match. think the line, I think the line he legit says is three times in a lifetime. <laughs> exactly. Like, okay. And three times in two years, I guess, you know? Oh God, that was funny. I'm sorry, Austin. Continue. No, you're, you're all good. I mean, so right now, the next match that I have is probably my favorite match that I built out of all of these matches, and I really do love how a lot of these matches turned out for sure, but I think this one was the one that really got me excited about coming on the pod and sharing this with you guys. So uh, CM Punk is still the WWE champion. He didn't lose to The Rock, and I don't know what he would do at Elimination Chamber, but not lose the title. He's walking in as champion, and so Undertaker needs a new opponent, and I think that I have found the perfect opponent for The Undertaker, and it might be one that people might not expect me to say. So I would say that at WrestleMania 29, The Undertaker would face none other than Dolph Ziggler. What? I, I, did, not, I did not see that coming. Oh I thought you were telling me he was going to face um, John Cena. Holy shit. <laughs> Dolph yeah, Ziggler? SVR 2011 type beat. What? Hey, this is a WrestleMania, bro. Do we get the Druid Battle Royal? <laughs> okay, I, I, I gotta hear the standing up out of my chair right now. I don't, but please go on. Yeah, um, so this was probably my favorite one that I booked out of all of the matches that I did. Um, so Undertaker is surveying the landscape of WWE talent, looking for his next victim. When who should stick his nose where it doesn't belong except Dolph Ziggler? Ziggler says that being Mr. Money in the Bank should have its perks and elevate his status on Raw. Uh, Ziggler says he's been doing this a long time. But it doesn't mean that he has nothing to prove still. Dolph Ziggler challenges The Undertaker to a match at WrestleMania, but The Undertaker actually defuse, uh, di- refuses and dismisses the challenge altogether. Uh, Big E tries to attack The Undertaker on behalf of Ziggler, but gets a wicked tombzo- tombstone as uh, Dolph and AJ look on from outside the ring. Uh, it's only when the real-life passing of Paul Bearer kicks things into overdrive as Dolph Ziggler uses this to garner massive heel heat coming out at the end of Undertaker's memorial to William Moody and making fun of the ridiculous nature of Paul Bearer. Uh, Ziggler manages to take the urn from Undertaker's hands and dumps it all over the ring, just absolutely infuriating the Undertaker. Uh, Dolph gets choked but escapes and slides out under the bottom rope. Undertaker is fuming and tells Dolph Ziggler that he's going to rest in peace for that. Um, Dolph Ziggler actually holds his own against Undertaker at WrestleMania in a 20-minute matchup, but falls short after Undertaker pulls Dolph Ziggler over his shoulders 
out of the sleeper hold into a tombstone pile driver. Uh, Undertaker wins the match, but Dolph Ziggler leaves with a lot more credibility and still goes on to cash in the next night on Raw. Talk about the, creating a star in Dolph Ziggler that they failed to do on literally multiple occasions by just giving him one feud that creates that credibility permanently. Wow. Yeah, they need to have more. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Adam. Oh, I was going to say, they really just need to hire Austin for real because he turned something that we all laughed at. That just into a great idea. It's crazy to see the card before, the year before, where it was Dolph Ziggler. He was on Team Johnny oh, facing God. Team Teddy. Yeah, and he goes ever, from that to facing The Undertaker. If we ever do another rebook, I want to rebook 28 next. But yeah, no, that would be... That would be wild, <laughs> and uh, and honest and honestly, it, it makes sense because Dolph was Mister Money in the Bank, and he was feuding with John Cena a few months before. And then as soon as he finished that feud with John Cena, which it should be a huge credit credibility building feud, that only ended you know with Dolph kind of getting the cheap win because of AJ pushing Cena off that ladder. What did Dolph do next? I I like he was in the Rumble. But he didn't do anything, and then he feuded with Team Hell No, and no offense, it was not not nearly as enjoyable as it should have been. So, yeah, it creates credibility for Dolph, and it really gives you a sense of like, hey, give Mr. Money in the Bank something important to do at WrestleMania. Even though he's not going to win, he's going to go 20 minutes with The Undertaker and look like a friggin' star 24 hours before becoming world champion. Yeah, and just to piggyback off that, even if you look at the beginning of the year for 2013, Ziggler, he's number, he lasted a Final Four in the Rumble, um, coming from number one. So he already had that like thing. It's like the whole momentum building. So I don't really understand why they just put him in a throwaway tag match, especially if he was going to win the title the like next the next night. Run. Yeah. Well, I mean, the the short answer is that Vince McMahon was ribbing um, Pat Patterson. That's it. That's that's the answer you're gonna get. It's, it's usually the sad a, truth. It's usually always a rib. That's usually always what it is. Oh man, I I gotta admit, man, you really you really what a damn shame. You really sold me on that too. Damn. Well, I think that was probably the most exciting match that I booked. Um, but I will say that the other two matches uh, definitely fit in with the show as well. Still, um, and the next one is the only match that I kept the same because I think it really fits in with the vibe of the rest of the show, as well as just working off of the feud that they'd built probably for a year prior would be triple H versus Brock Lesnar. Um, at the time it was kind of since CM Punk versus the undertaker was such a good match. I think people were kind of exhausted in the arena, um, during the actual show and they really didn't give this, uh, match its fair share of cheers or anything like that but i gotta be honest like there's there's now i think now with the match with taker and ziggler i think it has a lot more room to breathe it can shine a lot brighter um and i don't think i'd change really much of anything about the match i mean it has a really solid build it started way back in 2012 with their original feud for SummerSlam, and i think the match works really well for both men and it belongs here so short answer triple h still takes the win i think i leave it the same and also too triple h's career was on the line which i would right if it were me i might take that step out just because it telegraphs the winner because we all didn't think triple h was retiring i feel like that's just kind of the only thing i would take out of there you know but other than that yeah i thought it was a, actually a really good match for what it was and- supposed to be 
Yeah, I mean, I might have left that off my notes because I did take it out, and I should have probably mentioned that because I do think that it does telegraph the winner, like you said. I mean, I think it was pretty predictable that um, Brock Lesnar was going to lose Triple H. I mean, which is kind of crazy considering he was getting, he was looking really dominant, like on the weekly shows and everything like that, but he lost his debut pay-per-view match to Cena at Extreme Rules, and then he lost his first WrestleMania match back. And so then a year later he comes around and he beats Undertaker to end the streak. I think it was a wild kind of 180 for him for sure that really reestablished mm-hmm. him. And once he beat Taker, I mean, he had permanent credibility. I, I feel like, and this is just because of Taker's permanence in the business, you face Taker, whether you win or lose, whether it's WrestleMania or a house show, you're in there with the best guy that they ever really had. And, and, and you gained credibility because if you could go with Taker, you could, you could go with anybody and you would be a main player for them. And I feel like that's something that is really understated sometimes. And like you telling us that you thought Dolph Ziggler can go in there and have a match with Taker and become more credible because of it literally makes sense. Mostly because partially because Dolph is really good. And he would always work a good match, but also this dude with, with Taker, he, he would look like a million dollars. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like I said, I, 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 no, go ahead. I agree. Dolph was going to make Undertaker look great. Yeah, I mean, I thinking about that spot that I booked with Dolph, Dolph has him in the sleeper hold, and it looks like it's going to... He might actually break the streak. I mean, Undertaker goes down to one knee, but he keeps fighting, and he gets back up, and he pulls Dolph over his shoulders into a tombstone pile driver. Damn. I mean, goddamn, that's pretty fucking awesome. That's, yeah, <laughs> I also, think he probably sells the last ride like it's death itself. <laughs> yeah. I want to see how high he gets up on that choke slam. That's <laughs> I'd like to see Dolph. Um, I'd like to see him take a leaping tombstone. Uh, oh, look, the jumping one from like, uh, what was it, 26? Yeah, 26. Oh yeah. my God. Dolph would bounce off the mat like a basketball. <laughs> He'd be taking it like like the rock takes a stunner. That's <laughs> <laughs> just like the same thing. That's true. Oh, um,. So I'll finish this up because I know Freddie's still got to go and it's getting pretty late for the East Coaster boys. But um, so I'll finish this up with the main event, which is really what it should have been all along. I think you all can kind of predict where I'm going with this, but it is a match 18 months in the making. It's John Cena fighting CM Punk for the WWE Championship. Um, so I think uh, if you want to talk about long-term storytelling, I mean, this right here would be the end of a story that started all the way back at Money in the Bank 2011 with one of the matches that people regard as the greatest WWE match in WWE history that might not still stand today but I mean at the time it was top five for sure for a lot of people I still think it's top five Um, all the time yeah yeah Uh, I mean so that night John uh, CM Punk walked out with John Cena's WWE championship and since then in numerous title matches Cena has not been able to beat CM Punk try and try as he might CM Punk has always found a way whether as the babyface in 2011 or as the heel in 2012, CM Punk still found a way. Uh, CM Punk still found a way at the Royal Rumble to retain his title and extend his reign by getting the Shield involved on his behalf, and he retained against The Rock. Don Cena would still be victorious that night, winning his second Royal Rumble match and setting the stage for one of the greatest rivalries of the modern era to be renewed at WrestleMania. Uh, when the big day rolls around, Punk still tries a bunch of tricks to pull a fast one over on Cena, but nothing works. Um, I mean, in my head, I'm really thinking of their match from February 25th on Raw, um, where Cena put his contendership on the line against CM Punk. 
but this would be a much longer match and on a much grander scale. I'm thinking 25, 30 minutes that ends in Cena finally defeating one of his greatest rivals, CM Punk, to become the new WWE Championship and end a story almost two years in the making. Does Punk still hit the pile driver in the match? I would say so. I mean, I think it's WrestleMania. You're pulling out all the stops. I think it'd make a lot more sense on a WrestleMania rather than just a Raw on a Monday. Yeah. yeah that's Cena there. pulling out the Hurricane Ron again. Um, yeah, I, <laughs> I think so. And again, like I said, <laughs> he I didn't book really the nuance of the match, but I mean, we could all imagine it probably would have been fantastic. Again, I wouldn't change anything from that original Punk versus Cena match. I would just add more. So everything you're saying, yes, and more. That's pretty much it. Add 10 minutes and you got yourself a five-star classic at WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. One question I have about that, though, is on the graphic that you made, not everyone will see this except for us, but Punk is still holding the spinner belts. Are Is there a point anywhere where we get like the new version that the rock debuted is that anywhere no land? Um, no i mean in my in my i thought about this too i thought about it i mean cm punk wouldn't debut a new belt for, like i don't think he has a real reason to debut a new belt and this the spinner belt's always been seen as belt um so i don't think he would either um i mean looking at other champions down the line you've got daniel bryan and randy orton um i i I would imagine that they just keep the belt, the spinner belt, until SummerSlam 2014 where Brock beats Cena, and then they just change it to the one that we've all known and loved because it feels kind of pointless to have a, a belt design like that for only about a year. If it's not, it, it was a custom title for The Rock, but it wasn't like a Brahma Bull title or anything like that. I mean, if anything, that you can always just write in that the new belt comes in with the authority. It's like symbolic. Yeah. We're, yeah, worst case scenario at SummerSlam when, when Brian loses to Randy Orton. Randy Orton gets handed a new title because reasons. Yeah, I mean, that basically that that would signify, like, this is the authority stamp of approval. He gets the new title and he gets the five-star treatment. Yeah, exactly. Like, if you... Picturing Daniel Bryan, picturing Daniel Bryan with the scraggly hair, scraggly beard, pulling the spinner belt is such a weird picture to me, but... It would be cool, though. Storyline-wise. Well, Austin, I thank you. That was a really well done WrestleMania. I like the uh, the way that you really kind of leaned into the uh, the uniqueness of what what you wanted to see out of it. So, thank you. Okay, my turn. Okay, so I chose WrestleMania thirty four from two thousand and eighteen, and oof, this this show this show is tough, man. Um, so this was my sixth worst WrestleMania of all time. Um, Evan did 32, which came in at fifth worst. This one's literally the next one down, next one up. So we're right in the same category here. Just for, for reference, because we've kind of talked about the worst WrestleManias ever, I still hold true that the the worst WrestleMania ever is WrestleMania 11. Uh, ever go back to watch that WrestleMania? It's main evented by a football player. That's how you know that mania sucked ass. But anyway, getting back to WrestleMania 34. So this WrestleMania was was weird because for literally just about a year prior, everybody was telegraphing the main event. We all kind of knew what we were getting, and you really hoped that they were going to change it. You really hoped that they were going to do something different, and they just didn't. This was the safest WrestleMania I think they've ever booked in the sense of 
they went the easy way out every single time and it just pisses me off because you could have done so much more and had so many more special moments if you just tried a little harder. That's my gripe with WrestleMania 34. And watching it as a fan just infuriated me for 95% of this show. I, I actually did keep a couple of things just about the same way that they went, but a majority of them need some kind it's like when you're when you're cooking and you're making food you're eating food and there's just missing that one kick like they just every match felt like bland food to me and it needed that extra spice to kick it up a notch um what before i go i i, I just want to ask did you guys feel similarly about wrestlemania 34 do you have any different opinion on it i i can't tell you a single thing that happened at that mania bro i'll be honest i think it was on my phone the entire show I remember going into Mania as a fan, and I think this was one of the one of the last pay per views I watched before I like kind of stopped watching because, like you guys know, I I pretty much stopped watching from like 2018 to 2022. So uh, this was one of those that was like almost like a last straw with me with Roman and Brock being that main event again and. Wasn't this the one with Styles Nakamura? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yes, it was. Told you. Easy way It's weird. I, I look back at some of those matches thinking, remembering them being better, and then watching them again, I was just like, oh, they existed. Yeah. That's yeah. great. No, I think my, my feelings on WrestleMania 34 is like, so that happened. I mean, <laughs> it's exactly it was right. kind of... It's kind of a filler WrestleMania between WrestleMania 33, which I did enjoy... For the most part, and then WrestleMania 35, which was stupendous and probably one of the best we've ever gotten. Oh my God, 35 is a legendary status for sure. Also, I'm not going to ask you to spoil this now, but I remember I was really big on Charlotte Verska, like initially watching it, and then when I went back to it, and I, I don't, I didn't feel the same. So, hoping it's hoping you do that women's match little bit more justice whether it's that same match or something better you know well, we will get there for sure so let's start with the pre-show and my god the pre-shows back then were just hard to watch because there was three matches on it all right so we're going to start with the uh andre the giant memorial battle royal uh by this time this match had quickly lost the special feel that it had garnered when you had it on uh, WrestleMania 30. Um, I mean, the second year you had the match on the pre-show, then they put it back on the main card for 32, but since then it's either been pre-show or literally on Friday Night SmackDown the night before. Um, so I really don't touch much with this match. Um, I keep the winner the same. I do have it be Woken Matt Hardy. Uh, one note I'll, I will make here, um, you know, the late, great Bray Wyatt uh, in in this match actually was part of the reason Matt won. He helped Matt win after their little feud beginning of the year. Um, honestly, I don't have that happen and you'll see why a little bit later. Um, oh wait, sorry. I'm reading the wrong thing. Um, I, Matt Hardy's in the final two. I apologize. I'm reading cause I, I, what I did was I wrote the original card and then I wrote the rebooked show in my notes. So I apologize. Um, Matt gets to the final two. Uh, I want to push him more. I want him to be a featured player in the summer of 2020, 
2018, but um, Elias is actually my winner of this match. Um, and Elias wins because later that summer, he has an Intercontinental title match, and Elias was a featured act. If you go back to the Elimination Chamber, he was actually in the only seven-man chamber ever, and he was in a match with six guys who deserved to be there, and then there's Elias. So if you're really featuring him in that level, you need to give him a big win to kind of push him forward and really make him seem special, so... I give it to Elias, last eliminating Woken Matt Hardy, uh, because Woken Matt Hardy was very over at the time, but it dwindled very quickly for him. So it, you know, and and unfortunately, as much as the uh, whole uh, Eater of Worlds tag team with Matt and Bray Wyatt was really entertaining at times, I do basically forego that entirely. Um, the results of this show basically eliminate that being a thing, which unfortunately happened. And I did write this before Bray Wyatt's tragic passing. Um, this, this has been in my notes for a while now, so, you know, weird timing with that, but, um, Bray will be featured a little later and you'll see what I mean. Also on the pre-show, they had the women's battle Royal, which was originally in honor of the fabulous Moolah, but then they just took her name off of it because she was a terrible person. So they just named it the women's WrestleMania battle Royal for God knows what reason they couldn't pick somebody else, you know, to name it after. So, uh, the winner was actually Naomi when this match took place, but um, they did nothing with it, which, I mean, I kind of expected them not to. Uh, but Naomi winning did nothing for her, and it was a throwaway. And, you know, there's one other woman in the match who I'm like, if she's going to be in on the pre-show, at least let her win the goddamn match. And that's the man, Becky Lynch. Now, this was obviously before she was known as the man. It was a few months before her, her fantastic turn at SummerSlam, which sent her on the meteoric rise that she went on. Uh, but I just think that Becky was going to get championship opportunities that summer. We saw her featured in the feud with Carmella and, and Charlotte that was to come. Oh, am I looking at the wrong year? I am looking at the wrong year. Holy crap. I am sorry. No, no. That that sounds that sounds that? about right, right? Because Oh, wait. Yeah, yes. Oh, my God. 2018, yeah. Carmella with the... Uh, you Carmella cash on the oh my god you see this is the problem i have this, yeah. this is such a forgettable year i don't remember anything um True. so yes so <laughs> becky gets opportunities that year her re- the reason for me having her win is because it kind of gives her some built build back after just kind of being nowhere for a little while there that 2017 into 2018 she was just kind of there before she had ascended to that next level which she would get to at SummerSlam later that year so becky lynch wins that match and then the final match on the pre-show, uh, I'm leaving it alone uh, because I actually really liked it. Um, but it was for the Cruiserweight title. It was Cedric Alexander defeating Mustafa Ali in the uh, Cruiserweight Championship Tournament Finals uh, after Enzo Amore had given up the title uh, at the time. So I just leave that one as is. I thought it was a good match. Um, Ali and Alexander always had chemistry when they worked together, so I thought it was great. I liked the whole heart and soul of 205 Live kind of story that they told it was it was simple it was for a pre-show it was for a title that nobody really cared about by this point but uh i kept it as is because i thought it was uh probably the best example of the cruiserweight title when it was on the main roster between 2016 and 19 so that's my take on that and i'm gonna leave that as it was um, so did you ever consider flipping it and having Mustafa actually beat Cedric or was that never really in the cards? I don't think so. And my reasoning why was Cedric was always the sentimental guy at the time. I mean, ever since the Cruiserweight Classic where he got signed essentially because he had such a great showing and the fans fell in love with the guy. 
he was always a sentimental favorite on 205 Live, and he never really got his moment. Um, Ali eventually kind of came into his own when he moved to SmackDown in late 2018, early 2019, and he became more than just a cruiserweight guy. Um, and I like how I would have, if it were me, I would book Ali's time on the main roster and his, his debut there in 2019 differently. I would focus more on that for him. Uh, Cedric getting this moment should have been more for him. His reign became, you know, forgettable, but again, the cruiserweight title was so under, you know, undervalued at the time. They didn't really do anything with it. Uh, I just really thought him getting a moment like that was more deserved. And if you book Ali properly in future years, I think he could have, done a lot more obviously he got injured before wrestlemania 35 but uh overall i feel like you could you could salvage ali later on to give alexander the moment he did get now yeah you could you could give ali his retribution uh, that's a fact uh, yeah there you go pun intended but uh anyway so we're gonna move to the main card um and the opener is probably the best match on the show, and uh, obviously I'm not going to be insane enough to change the best match on the show. The Miz, Seth Rollins, and Finn Balor having a triple threat match for the Intercontinental Championship. Uh, even on a rewatch, this match is uh, a really, really good match. I mean, it's not a five-star classic in the sense of like, it's, oh my god, you're going to remember this match for the next decade. But it's three guys who are really good at what they do, and I don't think that any of them can ever really have a bad match with one another. Uh, any combination of the three, I feel like, would always produce entertaining you know, uh, action, and they were actually the three guys who started that seven-man uh, elimination chamber match that I referenced earlier. Um, so I think that that thread that they told that there, and then it leads to WrestleMania, and Seth Rollins getting his crowning moment winning the Intercontinental Championship for the first time, which at the time was the only title he had never held on the main roster. He became a Grand Slam champion uh, with a really fun match. Um, I don't honestly remember if Miz or Balor took the pin, but just to be clear, in this situation, Rollins pins Miz to retain the title. I don't have Balor take the pin. I honestly can't recall who took it in the actual match. Miz took the pin. Miz took the pin. Okay, that's good to know. Uh, but yes, yeah, so keeping that in line, Bal- uh, Balor doesn't take the pin, kind of protect him a little bit, um, and Rollins gets the definitive win there. So that stays the same. And it's kind of funny, too, that those three guys over the Intercontinental Championship probably had one of the best matches on the Mania 34 card, and then Seth and Miz once again went to the next pay-per-view, which was Backlash, and had the best match on the card to open the goddamn show. Yeah. Um, I mean, it just goes to show you that those two guys were really putting in the work at the time, and still to this day, they don't have a bad match against each other. I will. I, I went to a house show at the Westchester County Center in uh, June, and the main event was Seth Rollins versus The Miz for the World Heavyweight title. It was a house show match, but it was still pretty good for a house show match. And that goes to show that these two guys will just never have a bad match with each other. But... Yeah, so moving on to the second match, and Evan, this is getting to the one you were talking about. It was Charlotte Flair versus Asuka in reality, which is the match that happened. And I'm not going to change the fact that that was the match. I think everything that was done up until WrestleMania was done pretty well. Asuka was protected. Her undefeated streak from NXT carried to the main roster. She was made to look like a badass in the Royal Rumble. She won the Royal Rumble deservedly granted her moment and her spotlight was stolen by ronda rousey but still 
everything they did with Asuka booking-wise was making sense. And of course, the match was solid. It wasn't bad. It wasn't, you know, oh my god, this is a match that I'm going to go to the bathroom during. It was okay. I think the thing that was lacking was a sense of urgency, and this is the first example on this card of me saying, like I said, this is just bland. They don't do the extra mile that WrestleMania deserves and should have, and so they need to kick into that next gear. Give them a couple more minutes, let them have a really just physical back and forth at the end of that match, and Asuka's going to be locked in the figure eight. And at this point, I don't think anyone's ever really like broken the figure eight. And I don't even think Asuka was kind of doing the whole mist shtick at the time. So she can't use the mist to get out of it. So very simply, Asuka is going to literally just scream and power her way out of this figure eight, which just shows like she is this unstoppable monster who cannot be beaten, cannot be broken. And she is going to basically just power out of the figure eight. Uh, Charlotte's going to be in disbelief. And then because she's in disbelief and she's going to, you know, try and keep Oscar down, Oscar's just going to hulk up for a sense. And she's just going to obliterate Charlotte and win the title staying undefeated in this moment, at least, and becoming the SmackDown women's champion. And I think that's what everybody wanted. And this show was kind of panned, for giving us what we didn't want in the main event, even though that's what we all knew it was coming. So why not at least give us something that we did want earlier to kind of compensate? Do the right thing. Give the title to Asuka. Charlotte was going to win 75 more of them anyway. So let Asuka have her moment here. Now I know. So I have, I have a question. I think I know what you're going to um, ask. And we haven't heard what you're doing with the Raw women's title yet, so it could go the other way as well. Would you have Carmella cash in on Asuka on that SmackDown afterwards and would she would she fail to cash in would she successfully beat Asuka and break the streak or would she just wait and cash in on uh, the Raw Women's Championship and I have a very good answer for you yeah she's gonna cash in on Asuka that same Friday and she's gonna break the streak and you know I know that I, I know I know here hear me out listen we heard out Dolph Ziggler versus The Undertaker hear me out with this one here I'm listening, man. <laughs> so <laughs> I know I, I'm, I'm, I'm working uphill with this one, but hear me out. So, okay. Oscar's the champ. She gets a huge celebration heading into SmackDown and no offense to the Iconics. They didn't need to be their Their presence was so unnecessary. Now, if I'm not mistaken, Charlotte wasn't really working heel at the time. She was kind of tweener, but she worked the match heel, but she was also a babyface. It was a weird dynamic because of Charlotte's character is always just very weird. But we've seen that when Charlotte can, gets angry and works up a, a head of steam, so to speak, she just goes batshit crazy, like she did with Ronda Rousey that year at Survivor Series. And it's, it's, it's fun. It's actually what you want to see out of Charlotte. You know, she's got the flair last name, but she doesn't need to be like her father, who's just either a bland heel or a bland babyface or a mixture of the two or whatever it is. So... Charlotte's pissed that all of a sudden somebody is just like literally leapfrogged her in their pecking order and in a way that's not understood. So Asuka's going to be celebrating. 
Charlotte's going to come down and confront her. She's going to, you know, go to shake Asuka's hand and raise her arm and be like, you're the better woman, you're the better, you know, you beat me fair and square, whatever. And then she's just going to beat the piss out of Asuka. I'm talking a straight-up stretcher job beatdown of Asuka. She's going to hit her with anything that she can find, a chair, I don't know, put her through a table, just beat the absolute daylights out of Asuka to the point where they're stretching Asuka out. And you're like, whoa, Asuka is this most unstoppable dominant woman, and Charlotte just handed her her ass in a couple of minutes on SmackDown, you know, and she's getting stretched out. And then right as they kind of get Asuka onto the stretcher and start moving her away from, like, the announce table area towards the ramp, boom, Carmella's music hits. Carmella comes running down with a referee. Everyone's booing the crap out of Carmella because, yeah, I mean, this is, like, the, the literally the most distasteful time to do it. But Carmella's going to cash in. Carmella's literally doing what Money in the Bank should be about. And people will then, well, I mean, we'll never forget the the travesty of how she originally won it with James Ellsworth actually winning it. And then they had to redo it. But point being, focus more on the result of her her, her run with the briefcase rather than the, the, the dis, disappointing start to it. And she is the one who will forever be able to say, I ended Asuka's undefeated streak because Charlotte Flair does not need that accolade on her resume. She has everything else under the sun. 15 women's titles, the Royal Rumble, main event of WrestleMania. She's done everything there is to do. She doesn't need that. But Carmella, to be credible and to be a champion that people can believe is actually smart and cunning and a really good heel is the women's champion now because she did exactly what anyone with that briefcase should do, exactly what Edge did in 2006 when he cashed in for the very first time. She picked the perfect spot, and now she can forever say that I'm the one who ended the undefeated streak of Asuka. And it will mean something because her streak ended to put somebody over, give them credibility, and their first championship. Think about Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho won his first title when he did with the undisputed title in 2001. For 20 plus years, he has climbed onto the fact that he was he pinned the Rock and Stone Cold in the same night. It was the night he became credible. And The Miz, for all the bullshit of WrestleMania 27, he beat John Cena in the main event of WrestleMania by hook, by crook. It is a fact in the record books. So cre- credible champions are hard to come by when Charlotte's the only one there. So Charlotte doesn't need it. Uh, Carmella does. And Asuka doesn't look weak because she got the literal piss and blood beat out of her by, by Charlotte. So it's not like she just looks like a fool and taps out to the figure eight to end her undefeated streak. She didn't really lose, but now when she comes back from some time off because of an injury, she has a reason to A, be pissed off at Charlotte, who will probably be champion by the time she comes back, and Carmella can then go and have some kind of a middle feud with Becky Lynch and maybe Naomi and fill some time to SummerSlam when Becky has that big turn, and it all makes sense because Carmella's now a believable champion, and Carmella doesn't go to the next two pay-per-views and pin Asuka twice. Carmella Carmella beat Asuka twice when she didn't deserve to. Now, it doesn't matter what Carmella does going forward, she'll always have that feather in her cap. Not only was she the first Miss Money in the Bank, not only is she a former SmackDown Women's Champion, but she pinned Asuka and ended her nearly 1,000-day undefeated streak. I think it makes sense. What do you guys think? Bro, do you need a drink of water or something? (laughs) Yeah, bro, you were just... 
speaking now, that's that's a really good analogy, especially when you bring up people like The Miz who aren't necessarily known for their in-ring prowess, but when you really break it down, that makes a lot more sense. Yeah, I mean, I, that's like I'm just I, I'm I'm trying to build credible stars as much as I am trying to book WrestleMania, and I feel like that's what we have to do. And trying to knock down Charlotte, of course. Well, you know, it's it's not easy, but you got to do what we got to do. Yeah, Mrs. Andrade for real. <laughs> not uh, maybe not, not anymore. anymore. I heard something. Oh, they're definitely still together, bro. bro. I don't I don't believe that they're both. Enough. I feel like just for cloud. <laughs> Anyway, shifting back, Austin, what were you saying? I don't remember. Um, <laughs> no, uh, yeah, no good shit, man. Um, <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And um, so I'm just as excited to see what you do with your Raw Women's title match because that in itself was a goddamn shit show. And we will get there, <laughs> trust me. Trust me. All right, moving along. I can't even say what match was. Nia Jackson, and Alexa Bliss, yeah. Um, okay, so the third match on the card <clears throat> was a fatal four-way for the United States Championship. It was Randy Orton defending against Jinder Mahal, Bobby Roode, and Rusev. So um, I went back and forth with the concept of Bobby Roode not being champion for literally like a, a month um, because obviously coming out of 2017 – Dolph Ziggler won the title from Baron Corbin, then gave it up right away because he just, oh, we don't deserve you. Then he goes away for a month and just comes back anyway. Made no sense. I, it's so stupid how that went. But anyway, Rude was the champion. He faced Randy Orton at Fastlane. And I'm not a big fan of short title reigns, but Randy Orton winning the U.S. title was cool. So I'm going to let that slide. And Randy is still going into WrestleMania with the title. Um... Now, I'm going to be the first one to admit it, and y'all don't y'all know what my stance on it. I did not like Jinder Mahal's reign as WWE champion, and him winning this title was just infuriating to me after the crap reign that he had just gotten finished with not even 6 months prior. So, no offense to anybody, there ain't no way in hell Jinder Mahal is winning my version of this match. Because going into this match, there was only one man who needed to win it, one man who should have won it. And it's because it was on his day of all goddamn days. It's Rusev Day, and we need to give the title back to Rusev. Because let's call a spade a spade here. Jinder Mahal did nothing with the title. And as fun as it might have been to see Jeff Hardy come back, whoop his ass, and win the title and have a very short reign with the U.S. title, I don't think it makes sense. So Rusev wins the title at WrestleMania by pinning, you guessed it, Jinder Mahal. A reversal of what actually happened where Jinder pinned Rusev. Rusev will pin Jinder after a a finisher spree. Rusev will go for a Machka kick on Randy, but it'll be countered into an RKO. Randy turns around into a glorious DDT. Jinder will hit the Coloss. Jinder thinks he's going to get it. And then all of a sudden, Rusev with a big Machka kick to the side of the head pins Jinder Mahal. All is happy in the world because it's Rusev Day and Rusev is the United States Champion. Now, for some housekeeping notes coming out of WrestleMania, because obviously it was another title change very shortly thereafter. Jeff Hardy comes back. I honestly, I don't know what he does, but he'll have an, he'll come back in another place and in another way to have some kind of filler feud upon return. Uh, Rusev will feud with Randy Orton, who will turn heel a bit sooner. 
than he did, and uh, Randy will take the title back from Rusev at SummerSlam, which then Jeff Hardy will then enter into that infamous feud with Randy where he put the screwdriver in the hole in his ear and did the whole thing in the Hell in a Cell. Uh, And then Jeff gets his title reign by beating Randy at Hell in a Cell. So Jeff still gets his U.S. title reign. Um, Had to get that in there. But Randy ends up being a two-time champ. Jinder has no title reigns because he doesn't deserve it. And uh, Rusev Day is celebrated at WrestleMania. Um, So that's what I do with the United States Championship there. We love hindering the gender. Listen, no offense, but he's hindered in this situation. This this is a Maharaja slander, bro. I love I, I listen. I love the nickname and his theme song slaps, but he was not a good champion in either of those two reigns. So I have to call it as I see it. Um, but anyway, uh, going along to the next match, it was the mixed tag team match. It was uh, Shane uh, Shane McMahon, Stephanie McMahon teaming with her husband Triple H to face Kurt Angle and Rowdy Ronda Rousey making her first appearance in a match in WWE. Uh, This is another example of let's leave things alone because this was fantastic. And I think uh, outside of the opener with the triple threat, this was the highlight of the night for me. Um, Ronda was the only time she ever really looked like a badass that people wanted to see doing what she was doing. Uh, Her beating up Triple H at that point there where they squared off was really fun. Um, I'm not touching this match. Everything that happened, I'm leaving it alone because I just think it works. And I don't like to change things that, um, that worked. And this is the only thing that did. So moving along. It's kind of ironic. It's kind of ironic because so far I don't feel like you've, you, you haven't really changed the participants of any match on the main roster. You've more so just changed the outcome of the match. Well, the next or not or li- alone. literally the next one's going to be uh, the first example of changing a couple of things and there'll be two or three of those. But again, think back to what I said before. I thought the show had potential. They just didn't go that extra mile, you know, and, and, That's and, fair. and, and like you had the pieces to work with but you don't, you don't put them in the right order kind of a thing. And I think that that's kind of what I envisioned with this WrestleMania because if they did the things that could have taken it that extra mile in every match that we've talked about, then it, it, it becomes ten times better than it was. And people are going to look back on every match and actually say, yeah, that was a great match or that was a great moment or blah, 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 rather than, oh, Shinsuke kicked AJ in the balls wonderful like that's it's just not necessary in my eyes and we'll get to that one of course trust me but next so uh, at the end of the the mixed tag team match is when i believe john cena was sitting ringside uh still waiting to see if the undertaker would answer his challenge um and of course he was whispered in his ear uh at this point that hey something's happening so he hops the barricade wearing jeans looking weird and runs up the was, ramp because he's going to go and put on his gear because he's going to have a match and we'll get back to him later. It was actually it was actually after um Charlotte versus Oscar because Charlotte Flair's theme was still playing as he runs up the ramp which is really fucking funny. <laughs> okay, well, regardless, we're putting it here now. Sorry. No, that's fine. I don't remember exactly where it was. But we're putting it here now. And what's going to happen here and now I'm going to go back in time and tell you why. Before Cena does that, see they're gonna the camera's gonna go to John Cena, and it's gonna show him sitting ringside. But he's not gonna get whispered in his ear just yet because the music is gonna play of Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns is gonna make his entrance to a chorus of boos. 
lose, as one would expect at WrestleMania 34. And he's going to start cutting a promo. But why is Roman Reigns coming out now? Well, I'll tell you. Let's rewind to the aforementioned twice now seven-man elimination chamber the month prior. The seven men in that match competed for an opportunity to face uh, Brock Lesnar for the Universal Championship at WrestleMania. And as I said, for up to a year prior, everyone kind of figured that it was going to be Roman Reigns going to summer, uh, to WrestleMania to beat Brock Lesnar for the title. And that's what they did. Well, in that Elimination Chamber match, they did a lot of things right. The three guys who started were the right three guys to start. The guys who came in after them, even if even though Elias was there for some reason, and John Cena as well, and I believe there uh, we had that's four, five, and then Roman Reigns was there, and Braun Strowman was there. They did so much right with Braun Strowman when he entered that match out of his pod. He absolutely murdered every man in his way. Braun came in second to last, eliminated the entirety of the other five guys in the match, and then Roman Reigns was the only man left. I'm going to rebook this too. Roman's going to come out first. He's going to hit all of his moves. He's going to hit all his shtick. He's not going to eliminate anybody, but he's just going to beat up everybody and do his hoo-ah and look like a big Samoan piece of shit at the time. And so Braun's going to come out. And Braun and Roman... They face off with everybody down around the, the chamber. They have a, a callback to their great rivalry the summer prior, and they go and boom, 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 big moves, big moves. Roman's going to go for the spear. Braun's going to counter, hit him with a big kick to the head, and throw him over the top rope. Then Braun starts cleaning house. First goes Elias, then goes The Miz, then goes Finn Balor, Seth Rollins, John Cena. All five other guys are gone. Braun pins each one of them in order just like he did. And then it's down to Roman and Braun. Roman's going to hit a spear when Braun finishes pinning Cena, who's the last guy out before uh, the final two. Braun's going to kick out at one. And Roman's going to look kind of baffled, but he's like, okay, I got this. He goes, he hits a second spear, and Braun kicks out at two. And now Roman's looking really crazy. He's going to hit a third spear, and Braun's still going to kick out at two. And now Roman's kind of losing his mind, because three spears, Braun should be down. Roman should be going to WrestleMania. He's going to go for a fourth spear, and he's going to get caught right in midair with a big running power slam. Braun's going to hop to his feet, pull the straps down. He's going to hit another one. One, two, three. Three, Braun Strowman wins the chamber, and that means I just spoiled my main event, but I don't care. Braun Strowman's going to the main event of WrestleMania for his rematch with Brock Lesnar. So you're going to get to that later, and we'll talk about that. So I want you to sit with that for the rest of my show. In the meantime, Roman Reigns is pissed because how could WrestleMania come without Roman Reigns? Roman Reigns is saying... I'm the best guy here. I'm the top star. I've been the top star. I beat The Undertaker last year at WrestleMania in the main event. I've main evented now three years in a row. I need to be on this show. And this is going to start showing some heelish tendencies. He's going to really start leaning into a darker side. And, you know, I, I always thought he should have turned heel around this time. Well, we're going to lean towards that. So Roman makes his entrance. He never gets a match booked for WrestleMania. And if you notice the parallels, John Cena was petitioning to get a match and he wasn't getting an answer. Roman just expected to be handed an opportunity, and he didn't get it. So the two top guys staring one another down, 
And so Roman's going to come down to the ring and he's going to look at Cena sitting at ringside and he's going to say, you know, John, we're not that different. People have looked at us. They say we're very similar, blah, blah, blah. They say I'm the next version of you and I'm not. I beat you last fall in, in No Mercy, whatever. Well, you know what? You challenged The Undertaker and you didn't get an answer. You got no for an answer because he's not here. So I'm challenging you. I'm Roman Reigns. I should be having a match at WrestleMania. I'm in my gear. Let's fight. Cena will hop the barricade, he'll stand at the steps, look like he's going to answer the challenge in his street clothes, and then the production guy is going to come over, whisper something in Cena's ear, Cena's going to have the exact same reaction he did in real life, he's going to look at the guy, like, be like, holy shit, run up the ramp, he's not going to say a word to Roman Reigns, because Roman is not going to, he's not going to face Roman, so Roman's like, I just... Like, what is he going to do? He, he's pissed. He's throwing basically a tantrum in the ring. And then the lights will go out. Now, it's not The Undertaker. It's our good friend, the late, great Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt makes his entrance, and the place goes nuts because now Bray Wyatt is a fully formed babyface. And Bray Wyatt comes down to the ring with the fireflies out, and he gets right into Roman Reigns' face, and he just looks at him and he doesn't say a word and Roman just stares back at him and they kind of just lock eyes and Bray Wyatt then just kind of lunges forward Roman kind of falls back Bray starts to laugh and then Roman says like he tries to compose himself like you want to fight you want to fight let's fight let's get a referee referee comes in Roman the bell rings Bray Wyatt immediately hits his sister Abigail one two three Roman Reigns loses in about six seconds to Bray Wyatt at WrestleMania, and all hell breaks loose because the guy nobody wants to win just lost in six seconds to the guy that everybody has wished would get a fair opportunity for so many years. And Bray Wyatt can now go forward and have something of note happen over the summer. I know he does eventually get injured, so unfortunately we can't capitalize on it, and we've avoided booking around injuries. It is what it is, so Bray won't get to capitalize on this, and The Fiend will eventually come from it. But this gives Roman Reigns so much more credibility as a newly formed heel headed into SummerSlam where he will then compete in the main event for the Universal Championship as he actually did. But it gives him a few months to now build up heel credibility for an eventual title match. And I want to hear your guys' thoughts on what I've done with Roman Reigns here at WrestleMania 34. God damn, (laughs) Dude, that was phenomenal. That's such a uh, really great way to, you know, put so many pieces in motion and to, you know, capitalize it in such a fortuitous manner. Great work, man. Jesus Christ. Thank you. Going into WrestleMania without, like, Roman Reigns on the actual official card is wild. But honestly... I I don't think I don't think a single person would have complained about it. No, and you think about it if you if you really think about it, going into that WrestleMania, there's no Roman Reigns, there's no John Cena, and there's no Undertaker on the official card because there is no matches announced for any of those three guys. That could have proved the fans could have been like, "What the hell is going on out here?" I really thought you were going to go a triple threat route, but I'm glad I'm glad you won. <laughs> Would have been a little harder to book, but we could have probably gotten that way if we needed to. Yeah, I mean, I take back what I said about... Well, I mean, it did happen that way where Cena got the got the whisper during Charlotte's entrance. But yeah, I, I appreciate the way that you booked it because it does 
build up suspense and make you think, oh, are we getting a rematch between uh, Roman Reigns and John Cena? Or are we getting, uh, what are we getting here? And so I think that that was definitely the right call. And then the lights going out also makes you think it's Undertaker now challenging Roman Reigns. And there's a lot of like false swerves there that really work well. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going for. So thank you on that end. Um, so moving along, because it's, you know, it's getting later here. Uh, next one up, the Bludgeon Brothers defeating the New Day and the Usos for the SmackDown Tag Titles. I'm keeping that as it is just because, in all honesty, the tag divisions were so weak at the time, and I really wanted to get these guys on the card still. And it wasn't a bad match. It was just really short. So if we can give them five extra minutes just to do a little bit more, that would be great. Um, but you know, we'll, we'll see how it, we, we would see the same result. The Bludgeon Brothers get the win and have their, have their big mania moment. And the Usos and the New Day get a little bit more love on the main card. Would have had the two of those teams face off again, but I want to keep the Bludgeon Brothers in there because their act was actually really popular at the time. Okay, so after that, then John Cena is going to make his entrance once again. Uh, and he's going to come down now in his gear. And obviously, they're going to do the same exact shtick with Taker coming out like they're gonna tease it nothing 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 and now preface elias won the battle royal earlier he is not coming out now that was a waste of everybody's time i didn't think it was funny at all um so cena's just gonna be waiting 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 and then look disappointed because nothing's happening and then he's gonna look like he's given up he's gonna go to leave and then out will come the undertaker and they're gonna get a 20 minute match not a five minute match because the squash was cool but it was the only time we'll ever get to see The Undertaker versus John Cena at WrestleMania, and I can't deny the fact that I wish that we actually got that match with both of those guys closer to their primes. So let them go for 20 minutes. Taker hits the tombstone. Taker takes the W, and everything is hunky-dory there. Okay, I mean, I would probably go, like, 15 personally, just because, again, it's Taker not in his prime, and yeah. we don't know how long he can go. So probably 15, but the actual match I'm looking at Wikipedia was two minutes and 45 seconds. And I think we as the audience deserved a little bit more than that. Give me 15. I'm happy. I'm, I'm good with that. Yeah. put put g- Give us a regular length match. I don't need a squash, essentially, you know. But yeah. I would not have guessed like that that match was two minutes and 45 seconds. I really would have thought that felt, it felt like 30 seconds, honestly. It was very quick, but the, uh, it, it, it was uh, irrationally short, I would say. Could have been, should have been longer. Next up, tag team match. It was Daniel Bryan and Shane McMahon versus uh, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. So uh, you guys are going to like this. I got a swerve for you coming here. So uh, this was Daniel Bryan's return match. He had been out of action, obviously retired for over two years, and his announcement that he was returning was the greatest thing I think anybody would have expected. And again, a huge hype going into WrestleMania. Daniel Bryan's out of retirement. He's back. What's he going to do? Well, he's going to team with his boss and friend Shane McMahon to try and eliminate Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn from ever being on SmackDown again. And they did win in reality, but uh, as the match goes on, um, Shane's going to start and Brian's going to be on the apron and Brian's going to be waiting for the tag and Shane's going to kind of try and do his shtick and he's actually not going to tag Brian in right away because Kevin and Sammy are going to isolate him. 
right off the bat, very quickly. So they're going to build to this really amped up hot tag. Brian has not gotten in. He's not gotten physical. He's waiting, he's waiting, he's waiting. Shane's going to take the heat for five, ten minutes, and then he's going to finally get that hot tag. Brian's going to come in. He's going to start hitting big moves. You know, New Orleans is going to go nuts because Brian's back, and he's just going to hit all of his big moves, and then he's going to look to go for the running knee. He's standing in his corner where him and Shane are, are set up. And Shane's been down ever since he made the tag. But as soon as Brian's doing the yes chant and waiting for Kevin Owens to get back to his feet, Shane's going to get up and tag himself in because he wants to be the one to do it. And we all know that Shane, even though he tries not to be, can be a big egomaniac. And he wants to be the one to pin Kevin Owens because Kevin's been the thorn in his side for six months. So... He's going to go to hit Shane, uh, hit him with a big move, and Kevin's going to counter, and he's going to hit uh, Shane with a pop-up powerbomb. Shane's going to kick out because, I mean, uh, we're not ending it like that. Uh, but eventually he is going to create separation again, and it's looking like he's going to go for another type of hot tag. But this time when he dives for Brian's hand, Brian's going to pull his hand back, and Brian's going to stare down at Shane in kind of disappointment. Like, Brian wanted this to be his moment. Brian wanted to have an opportunity to finally get back in the ring in front of the fans, and Shane is using his ego and letting it take advantage of him by tagging himself in and taking the spotlight away. And Brian's going to get pissed about that, and that's going to unleash the heel Brian, Daniel Bryan that we got a few months later. We're just going to fast-forward it right away. We're going to have Daniel Bryan turn heel. He's going to turn his back on Shane. Shane's going to be... Like, what are you doing? What are you doing? He's going to eat a haluva kick, a pop-up powerbomb. Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn are going to win. They are going to stay on Friday Night SmackDown. And Shane McMahon is going to be like, what the hell just happened? Because now Daniel Bryan's no longer the general manager, and he just turned on him. And then after the match, just to you know, hound home the point that Bryan turned heel, as Kevin and Sami celebrate up the ramp, Bryan's going to kick his fucking face in and stomp his head out. And he's going to stand tall to a chorus of boos. And what was supposed to be this monumental, heroic babyface return, Daniel Bryan turned his back on everything and everybody because Shane's the babyface here. And Shane's going to go out for a little while. Bryan's not going to feud with Big Kaz because no. Um, or sorry, Big Ass based on his Titantron because he blocked out the C. Um, huh? And then... Um, <laughs> Uh, we're going to skip over the whole crap Miz feud as well, and Shane's going to return for a match between the two at SummerSlam where Brian will again kick his effing head in, and Brian's going to go off into the fall, eventually have a WWE title match and win the title to keep Kofi Mania in line. Uh, but give us more of really good heel Daniel Bryan from 2018 and into 19. So swerving us there uh, with that result. And um, he'll win the, just for a side note, he'll win the WWE Championship uh, on a uh, the same episode of SmackDown he did. Uh, but here's a little bit of a spoiler. We're not going to tell you just yet. It won't be from AJ Styles. He'll win it on the very same night he did, but it won't be from AJ Styles. Okay. Next up, the Raw Women's Championship. And I'm going to tell you right now, there's no Alexa Bliss and there's no Nia Jax in this match because fuck that balls match that was terrible so what we're going to have happen is the elimination chamber takes place the month prior and what's going to happen essentially is that uh in the match sasha banks turned on bailey during the match which is something that bailey has let happen to her far too many times and let's go back even further the summer prior after bailey lost the title to bliss 
Bailey never got her rematch at SummerSlam that she had earned. Bailey had earned a match at SummerSlam, but got hurt and couldn't compete. So who took her place? Her best friend Sasha Banks. And Sasha won the title. And Sasha never gave Bailey an opportunity to get back in line for the title. Bailey came back from injury and never got back to where she was. Even in the Royal Rumble, Sasha entered at number two. She lasted nearly the whole thing. Bailey didn't get much of a chance to shine. It was insane. So what ends up happening? In the chamber, Banks turns on Bailey. Bailey was letting her naive side set in again. And instead of Bliss retaining the title like she did, Sasha is going to go full heel and win the title from Bliss in the chamber. And now, Banks is the champion. Bliss, no offense, sorry, her and Nia can go and kick rocks to the pre-show Battle Royal, and whatever happens, happens. I hate to say it, but sad but true. Um, And then, you're going to just do what we should have done way before they ever did it in 2020. Bailey's going to say, I've had enough. You never gave me a shot at the title. You keep turning on me. You take advantage of me, blah, 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 blah. Bailey versus Sasha Banks for the Raw Women's Championship at Summer... uh, Not SummerSlam, sorry, at WrestleMania. And Sasha who has at this time never successfully defended the Raw Women's Championship in all of her reigns as champion, once again fails to do so because Bailey gets her crowning moment at the grandest stage, recapturing the Raw Women's Championship and taking that title into the summer and having a chance to really redeem herself after the poor finale to her original reign with that whole uh, kendo stick on a pole debacle. Um, so, yeah. Bailey versus Banks with Bailey going over and winning the title at WrestleMania and Bailey goes forward as champion on the Raw side. She can feud with Bliss again, Banks again. She can do whatever she needs to do before eventually facing Ronda Rousey at SummerSlam. Okay, uh, moving right along, we're going to get down now to the WWE Championship match. Uh, Shinsuke Nakamura and AJ Styles. Now, Nakamura winning the Rumble was a great call. This match was probably the most anticipated on the whole card. Again, I'm going to give it about another five minutes on the tail end to give them a little more time to kick it into that next gear, very similar to what we talked about before. Kick it into that next gear, hit that next level, the the, the, the finisher spam, and, and just kind of like the close near falls. They never really got to that point, the hard-hitting shots, maybe just a point where they're just hitting each other with forearm shivers, something to really hound home the violence. And then um, AJ uh, doesn't win. I mean, I'm going to pull the trigger. Nakamura is going to go over clean as a whistle with the Kinshasa, and he is going to take down AJ, and he is going to just win. He's going to get a crowning moment. Shinsuke Nakamura becomes WWE champion at WrestleMania 34 by pinning AJ Styles in the middle of the ring. After the match, Nakamura's celebrating. There's, the fans are going nuts. Styles gets up. He, he puts his hand out to shake Nakamura's hand. And he kicks Nakamura in the balls after the match. Oof. Now, I, those, was worried, I was worried there that you were No, no. Shot. No, no. Don't worry. It's going to be a reversal of it and after the match in the right way. So Nakamura did it after the match, and it made no sense because he just lost. And Nakamura... the heel run was terrible and he didn't end up doing anything with it he lost like four matches to Styles or they had the one where they kicked each other in the balls and then they double count out whatever it was Um, no we're going to redo this with Styles as the heel Nakamura as the champion and they're going to only have two more matches they're going to have 
a rematch at the Greatest Royal Rumble, which is going to end in a double DQ. I hate when that happens, but you know what? It's going to make sense because now they're just getting really hate. They're getting angry. They're going to have a 10, 15, 20-minute match at Greatest Royal Rumble, and it's going to end in a double DQ because they're going to just beat each other up until the referee just has to call for the bell. He can't keep control of it. Then they're not going to have the match at Backlash because they're both going to just be suspended for going crazy. They're going to be attacking officials and everything in the brawl after the match at Greatest Royal Rumble. So there's no WWE title match at Backlash because both guys got suspended. They're going to go to Money in the Bank where they blew off the feud. They're going to have the last man standing match and Nakamura is going to beat Styles. In that match, Styles takes the, the L. Nakamura retains the title. He is going to carry the title through SummerSlam feud with maybe the Miz or something and he's going to carry that title down to November when we think we're going to get Nakamura versus Lesnar and then not, Brian's going to beat him for the title and it will be Brian versus Lesnar and that's what we're going to get I hate to tease Nakamura Lesnar and not get it but you know what Brian Lesnar was fantastic so I'll take that trade off so Nakamura gets a nice little six month run as champion and then Daniel Bryan takes over from there with the whole planet's champion shtick so should have done. <laughs> no, go ahead, Adam. I was going to say because as I've said multiple times in our group chat, Nakamura is like the only person outside of Cody Rhodes who is a Rumble winner who hasn't won a world title in the 21st century, and that just irks me to my core. So that's exactly how I would have done it. Too. Yeah. So it's really interesting because Shinsuke Nakamura was the Royal Rumble winner that you didn't decide to flip them and have AJ and Shinsuke main event the WrestleMania. I'm just kind of curious as to why. You might have done that. Well, Braun and Brock were well-established as being in a extended feud that goes back to the end of the previous summer. And I just feel like what we're looking for here... Like, I don't... The, the end of the match was still kicking the balls. You know, the heel stands tall. The the baby face getting the, the moment wasn't the, the lasting moment from that match. Nakamura does get his chance to shine, but he's not standing tall to close the show. If I don't have the heel turn there, then maybe that closes the show. But because they do the post-match antics, I don't feel like that's a really strong way and a strong shot that's to valid. end WrestleMania. Yep, that's valid. So like that was kind of my process with it. And the other match has a lot more backstory in WWE. They faced off at No Mercy, then they were involved in the Fatal 4-Way at SummerSlam even before that. And even then at the Royal Rumble, the triple threat with Kane, and they, it was personal because then Brock sh- had the shoot punch on, on Strowman's face. So it was so many layers to that growing feud, and Braun just got heated up so big by just basically no-selling Roman Reigns at the chamber. So I really think that like you're having this behemoth battle, big meaty men slapping meat in the main event, and I think it, it, it just fit better in that spot. Yeah. No, that does that does work for sure. And then the other point I'll bring up is probably, and again, we're just fantasy booking, and this is you know your fantasy universe. But I probably would have Nakamura drop the title to Samoa Joe at SummerSlam so that we could get Samoa Joe versus Brock Lesnar at Survivor Series. I mean, that's probably what I would do with that. Yeah, I mean, I, I did. Take. I did think about where to put Joe in there um, because I did like the whole Wendy feud where he was just like calling out AJ's wife's name the entire time. It was funny. Uh, went on a little too long, but 
I, w- I, I thought about that. Um, you know, if, if I were to kind of flesh that out a little bit more, I might reconsider it. I really didn't think too in-depth about the post-feud when they had the blow-up at the Last Man Standing match. I didn't really think much past that in terms of, uh, I believe it was July, August, and you know September, October. Yep. Those four months were kind of hazy. I figured Miz would be in there. Joe would be another candidate um, for guys involved in the title picture at that point. Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn could feel the feature in as well because they'd still be on SmackDown at the time. They don't go over to Raw like they ended up doing. <clears throat> and so uh, after that huge of a uh, you know moment, you need the cool-off match before the main event, and uh, it's the Raw Tag Team titles, and it's the infamous Nicholas match. Um, everybody knows I hate this. Um, so the bar are the champs, and they need an op- they need opponents. Braun's not obviously going to be the opponent. So, uh, <laughs> I just want a good tag team match. Give me five, ten minutes of solid tag team wrestling and give me a happy moment at the end. It's going to be the bar versus the revival. Uh, I mean, the revival were in the uh, the pre-show battle royal and they didn't do anything. Why not just have them have the tag title match? Give them another reign. Um, I think it would be fun. Uh, the revival coming out as baby faces to answer an open challenge and beating the bar who have been dominating Raw's tag champs for a better part of a year or two now, you know, just, I think it would be fun, you know, give us a cool off from that huge WWE title match and now get us onto the main event, which is going to be big meaty men slapping meat. Uh, Brock Lesnar mm-hmm. versus Braun Strowman uh, for the universal championship. And, you know, as I said before, I've, I've kind of, I've led up to this and that's why I kind of shared it early. Uh, this match is just a straight up colossal, you know, behemoth battle between two guys who can't stand each other, have a long history in the Fed, and they're now coming to blows in the main event of WrestleMania. It's the Beast who, since he ended the streak four years prior in this same building, has been on an unstoppable level, almost unbeatable by literally everybody who gets in his way. While Braun has finally arrived, he finally conquered Roman Reigns, he's finally gotten to this big moment in time, and... It's not going to be a long match. I mean, Brock and Braun are not built to run 20-something minutes with one another. Uh, Give us 10 to 15 in that range. Um, There's going to be a lot of the suplex spots and whatnot, which Brock matches tend to slow down in those moments. But uh, in the end, I'm going to go with it. Braun Strowman is going to beat Brock Lesnar and become the Universal Champion at WrestleMania 34. Uh, Braun deserved a crowning moment sooner. I know he won Money in the Bank that summer, and I'll be honest, I did not rebook that match and pick a new winner of it, but it doesn't need to be Braun. Uh, Braun's going to be the Universal Champion uh, for a couple of months. Him and Brock will have a rematch in Saudi uh, where they'll have a screwy... uh, 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 Sorry, not a screwy finish. They will have a cage match where... Uh, they'll do a clever finish where Braun, Bra- Brock kind of puts Braun through the wall and Braun falls to the floor and his feet hit. And even though they don't do the whole spear through the wall shtick, just kind of like that. And, uh, you know, that's kind of it there. And, yeah, so Braun will then carry the title to SummerSlam. And the end game of that will be uh, heel Roman Reigns fully fleshed out after what happened earlier in the night versus babyface Braun Strowman. And Roman Reigns ascends to the top, wins the Universal title as a heel, and, you know, again, as we've 
gone in detail about. Uh, we won't book around real life scenarios. Uh, the leukemia diagnosis a few months later does still have to come in and you know be an unfortunate reality. But uh, in terms of the story, everything kind of makes more sense in pieces of the puzzle through SummerSlam and even beyond in some in some cases. So that's my WrestleMania 34. Good job, man. <laughs> yeah, hell of a lot better, honestly. Incredibly in-depth. Thank you, I, I try. <laughs> Sad to not see Nicholas get, oh, yeah. get a title, but yeah, you know, it's all right. Whoever thought a 10-year-old child from inside the crowd who's also the son of a WWE referee would win a championship in WWE. Such a shame. He's going to be a Grand Slam champion one day. I just took it away from him. You really did. That's my head. <laughs> but yeah. At least it's in the real history books. Never, sadly. But anyway, anything else from you guys? It's been a long one tonight. No, I think we're, we're pushing uh, like two and a half hours. We're, we're, we're probably good. I mean, that was our uh, WrestleManias. And so hopefully if there's any listeners, they can be inspired to do the same thing and take a WrestleMania that they didn't like and have a lot of fun with it. Cause truth be told, I did have a lot of fun with this whole process oh, doing yeah. it Me too. on my own. And it was really fun. Um, yeah. I, I had a lot of fun putting my card together too. And like kind of getting to write down why everything would happen a certain way. And yeah, yeah, I think, I think it was a fun process. Yeah. It, it, it goes to show that like, um, that, and this just might be a bit critical, but that the WWE can do a lot better at booking their premiere events, but that's just, you know, food for thought. Very true. But on the upside, hopefully there is a lot of good still to come in the future. And maybe we can start to see that more uh more of the upcoming WrestleMania's in the few years that follow this episode will uh continue to impress like WrestleMania thirty nine really did. Um I think this year's was a really fun one. Forty looks like preliminary ideas could be really promising. So we hope for the best and we hope that you know, we can move forward with good things and, and positive signs. Um, but, yeah, I, w- I would love to do this again with some other WrestleManias. There's been some others that could use some fine-tuning, but that's an episode for another day. So on behalf of... Oh, maybe oh. maybe a few months we na- from now we book WrestleMania. Uh, we lost Evan there, but I, I, I think he's saying booking WrestleMania 39 and doing a preliminary book. Is that what you were going for? <laughs> Booking WrestleMania 40. 40. Wrong, wrong number. Yes, uh, I'm down. We could definitely talk about that. Yeah, I'm down for that. I mean, you'll have to hear me rant about Gunther for about 25 minutes, but uh-huh. yeah, I'm down. Sounds like That's a, a given. We'll, yeah. we'll give Gunther at least an hour. Yeah, he gets a solid hour of the video. <laughs> well, all right then, guys. Thank you for coming out tonight and uh, sticking with us for this long. Uh, it's been a fun one, but a long one. Um, Evan, uh, Adam, and Austin, I thank you for joining me. And uh, hopefully you'll be back soon. You're always welcome here on the Fans Talk Pro Wrestling Podcast. And if you're listening, thank you again for joining us. Hope that you enjoyed this episode. Uh, We'll be back again very soon, hoping to get more content out to you as best we can, as soon as we can. But until then, I would just like to say thank you for supporting us as always. Uh, Check out our other episodes wherever you find your podcasts on Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and everywhere else. And as always, always remember to never be afraid to be a fan. Thank y'all, and so long. We'll see you again very soon.